This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to another edition of the Chelsea Fancast, the the in-off-the-post version, which, of course, as you all know by now, uh, comes about in a week when you've sent in so many emails that we can't cope and we can't read them out on the Monday show. So instead of that, we, we have a special show dedicated just to you. The dear listener. Now, as as you know, I am Stanford Chidgen. As, as always, I'm joined by the efficacious Jonathan Kidd. Efficacious. I sound like a doctor. You are, though. You're, you're a tonic for all known ills. Oh, 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 oh. very good, Chidge. Very good. Thank you. Lovely to be on the show. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Good to see you again. It, it's not, not 24 hours since I saw you last, so... Uh... People, as you said last night, they will start to talk. And let them. Um, right, we should talk because there's lots to get through tonight, uh, of course. A uh, bumper, bumper, bumper bag. I can't think what they're going to be talking about. Who can say? Anyway, uh, the first one on the agenda is uh, from Phil Walker. Phil, I'm a recent convert to your podcasts. Good. We love it. I'm going to blow my nose as a consequence. Thank you. Um and being old, <laughs> um, only recently discovering any podcast. Yes, I know what you mean. It is a, a jungle out there. But I have to say, I noticed an article on BBC Sport by Ross Mooring from their fan cast, who is not listed on your staff. Uh, do, have we got a staff well, list? Well, I, I have to realize... take, yeah, well, I'll, I shall comment on that in a minute. Anyway, which I fundamentally disagree with. <laughs> He listed Branislav Ivanovic as a cult hero for Chelsea. I love Brana, and he is a hero for many of us for his performances. Important goals, and he's probably one of the best right-backs in the PL years. But cult? <laughs> by definition, surely a cult hero must be someone who's probably not wholly admired by everyone. 
especially someone who's not a fan of the team, should also be a player who gets the pulse racing. Good point. I, he, he occasionally got my pulse racing. He was a fantastic player. Blimey. Um, wonderful goal against Benfica at in Amsterdam. Um, anyway, can I suggest that Ross has a look at some of the archives, checks out some pre-PL players. Can I suggest he checks out Charlie Cook or Ian Hutchinson from the early 70s or Clive Walker and Butch Wilkins from the late 70s? I wouldn't say any of them were cult heroes, though. But what about David Speedy, Kerry Dixon or Joey Jones from the 80s or Wisey from the 90s? Anyway, thanks for the opportunity to vent. Always a great listen, although I don't always agree. Well, good. That's fine. That's exactly um, what it's about. Exactly. Or if you haven't guessed, 80s, um, 80s season ticket holder, 90s family member, now living in the fucking Midlands. Keep the blue flag flying high. Oh, mate. Hope you get to the bridge occasionally, though. With all this knowledge, would be a shame not to. Um, um, I think cult's probably the wrong thing, isn't it? Perhaps it's, it's leg end. But I agree with him, actually. I don't think he's a cult hero at all. I think he's a he's a hero. He's one of the great players. Branner. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic player. Good vent, Phil. Pro. Good vent. I Good mean, vent, I... but... I can't compare them. You can't. Charlie Cookery and Hutchinson were legends. Clive Walker was, you know, and they were cult hero, terrific players. I mean, I think this yeah. is the point, isn't it? I think poor old Phil. Brilliant email, Phil. Love it. Um, first point. Uh, staff. Chelsea fancast. Staff. They're not staff. They're mates. Anyway, I don't pay them, so they can't be staff. Um, staff i'm certainly not paid i'm certainly <laughs> not paid either really but anyway yeah it's it's they're not staff they're all mates ross ross um was one of the early i mean we've been going for 15 years phil about 2008 i think we started almost exactly 15 years ago uh and ross was involved very very early on and he's one of life's lovely people and uh for some reason the bbc have latched onto him and he writes stuff for them regularly and he asked me can i still use the chelsea fancast uh, name and I said, of course you can, mate. You know, um, and he's lovely. He's one. Of, he's a very, very, very uh, one of my favourite people. Um, but he's not staff. But anyway, I, I'm Phil. I think you're getting your cult heroes and legends middle muddled up, as J.K. was inferring. Um, I actually would say that Branner is a cult hero, really, is, or is he a legend? I mean, I think this is the distinction: Are you a legend? Are you a cult hero? Because a legend is a legend. There aren't many legends uh, by definition. So if you're not a legend, then are you a cult hero? And if you're not a cult hero, you're just really a no-mark, aren't you, really? Let's face it, you just happen to trundle through Chelsea's history in a little bit. I mean, Charlie Cook, I'd say cult hero, actually. Legend. Ian Hutchinson? A no, no, not legend. I'd say cult hero. Charlie Cook, possibly a legend, because he came back and all the rest of it. So maybe Charlie Cook. Ian Hutchinson, cult hero. Clive Walker, cult hero, not a legend. Cult hero, because... Oh. He heroically kept us out of the third division with that goal. And he heroically gave Liverpool a bloody nose in the FA Cup. Uh, Butch Wilkins, legend, period. Not Non-arguable. Legend, legend, legend. But I am biased. David Speedy, cult hero. Kerry Dixon, legend. Joey Jones, cult hero. Wisey is a legend for me. Captain, me. you know, and uh, what he did in the yep. 90s. So, look, number one, I think we need to establish what is a cult hero and what is a legend. Secondly, here's the really big thing, Phil. It's about opinions. There is no right or wrong. It's what you think, what I think, what Jonathan thinks, what Ross thinks. And it's a minor miracle if we all absolutely agree. So, um, I mean, Branner. See, I don't know if Branner's a legend. 
Go on, what were you going to say? I'd say legend. I'm not so I'd sure. Legend because, but he contributed to the. He didn't play in the European Cup final, did he? he didn't play in the because he was um, suspended. But he um, he nevertheless contributed to all the matches up until winning the uh, the Champions League in 2012. So I think he's pretty high up there and scored the winner when we won the Europa Europa League in. Yeah. Um, well, maybe, maybe he, yeah, maybe he does make it to legendary status. Do you know what I mean? Because I got this email last week, and uh, I was kind of thinking, what, 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 what? And then I was thinking, oh, I don't know, is he a cult hero? Was he a legend? What is he? And then I was walking along the old shed wall, where you would have thought uh, the only players who were up on the old shed wall would be J.K. Legends, right? Legends. Branner is up there. He is. So maybe he is a legend. But here's the thing, Phil. It's lovely to hear from you, by the way. And uh, yeah, as, as JK said, if, you, if you're ever down our way or you get to a match, give us a shout. But uh, yeah, I think it's all about opinions, mate, isn't it? Um, really? So there you go. Anyway, uh, email number two, uh, Russell Keddy. We heard from him last week, of course. Now, evening. Cheers, JK. I really enjoyed the email show last week. Hoping to see many more of these. Well, there you go. You keep writing writing emails to us, and you'll definitely keep hearing from uh, hearing these shows. That's for sure. Uh, I know this has been mentioned on the show a few times over the last few weeks, but the lack of tickets available to members is more challenging than ever. Have the new owners mentioned anything about the stadium's expansion? Is this still on the cards? Quick answer, yes and yes, I think is the answer to that one. Uh, secondly, I'm a member that would like to pick up a season ticket next year. It would seem my only option is the waiting list for Westview. Do we know how long the list is potentially? As they're asking for 120 quid up front as a deposit. Fucking daylight robbery, mate. Uh, and absolutely insidious. We knew this would happen. Anyway, moving on to the Dortmund game. A much improved team performance which just lacked that cutting edge up front. I was also pleased to see Koulibaly prove me wrong and arguably produce his best performance in a Chelsea shirt with Wesley Fofana returning to the fold. We have some options now at centre-back. The ongoing concern for the rest of the season is where the goals will come from, well, quite, especially in the Champions League with no recognised striker in the squad. Saying that, we must be due to pump someone. I'm going for 3-0 tomorrow. Well, we all did, Russ, and we know what happened, but uh, let's not dwell on that. Um, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I haven't had meetings personally with the club, but I think the stadium expansion is still on the cards, yes. I think, uh, I think well, two things. The capacity has been reduced for two reasons. Uh, one is um, uh, the safe standing has lowered the capacity, which has reduced the number of memberships and season ticket ships, and then they've been have been relocated. And then there's what's happening with the Westview, which has further reduced season ticket holders because they've had to be relocated and members. They sell memberships on the promise that you get access to tickets, which I actually think is against the Advertising Standards Authority's Trade Descriptions Act, because. You know, there are about 120,000 members and about 5,000 tickets up for grabs every match. You do the maths. Um, I don't know about the season ticket waiting list. I don't... Well, there clearly is one, otherwise you wouldn't have mentioned it. I think charging you 120 cup, quid up front is despicable. If it's for the Westview, they're going to charge you three grand. Uh, or maybe less now. I could be I I exaggerating, but it's, it's, it's you not... You get it back if you're not successful. Yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah, I suppose so. Maybe it's not as bad as I'm making it out. I mean, I don't know. What's worse, paying 120 quid up front, which is, you know, you've got to have the cash, or, you know, the only other way to get it was to go to every single game, get enough loyalty points. And, of course, that's impossible now because you can't get access to tickets because it seems to be very random these days. 
a lot of the games aren't on loyalty points. It's very, mate. There's no answer. It's the biggest can of worms at the club, mate. But I wish you luck, Russ. That's for sure. Anyway, we don't have another email, Jonathan. Oh, yeah, let me just comment on the uh, um, Russell very nicely sent me a, uh, a nice response to my um, my attempts to get um, Graham Potter to be better in the presses. Thank you, mate. Thank you for sending that. It was really nice of you. So, um, good. Philip Kenley. Hello, Chidge, JK, and whoever of your wonderful support crew you have on the show tonight. No, it's just me and Chidge. Oh, oh, oh. Um, can I just say thank you for becoming my crutch? I thought you were going to say my crush. My crush. I thought he was going to say crotch. Uh, um, uh, yeah, 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 that, yeah. But it was pronounced crutch originally, wasn't it? Then the Americans got involved because we called it a crutch. I always got confused by that when I was little. Anyway, becoming my crutch, you lean on over the recent months of torment. Yes, I don't know what I could do without you. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Philip. I'd also like to point out I'm writing this before Saturday's game. Oh, you fool. So who maybe we won by four. Potter's now looking like a genius. Or maybe things didn't go so well and the mob have already lynched him. Soon, somebody's called him out. Have you seen that on Twitter, Yeah, Chief? Somebody. Yeah, yeah, I know. He got 150,000 hits, though. Good on him. Um, I'm writing this email to make an argument as to why I think our club have lost their mind. Lost their minds. And why I think Potter may have been just been put in the most ridiculous of positions. I'm intending this to be not so much a defence of Potter, more of an argument as to why I think the focus on Potter right now, whilst understandable, may just be missing the point. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Philip, come on then. Everything I read and listen to, however, it's framed, however it's framed, seems to ultimately suggest whatever happens in the short term is down to Potter. Well, as we know, that is how football works. Blaming the manager is the most straightforward and laziest debate to have. And conveniently, changing a manager is the easiest significant change any owner can make in the short term to try and appease fans and prompt a change of fortunes. I'm worried for, I don't think they try and appease fans at all, Philip, really. I think the owners, I think they just want a change of fortunes, as you say, because um, that means they make more money. Uh, I'd like to argue, I think it's possible, whoever we had in charge within reason would quite possibly be no better or no worse than what we're seeing at the moment. Da, da, da. I say this because I think what has happened over the last two, two transfer windows is insane. The backdrop of my argument and the factors are the factors. I'll start again. The backdrop of my argument are the factors we know and we've discussed many times. Things had been going south under TT. No striker worth talking about for years. Injuries to Conte, James and Chilwell in particular. Loss of form from Havertz, Pulisic, Sterling, Aubameyang. Loss of Rudiger, Broger injury, etc., etc., etc. When Then when we think it can't get any worse, Felix gets sent off straight away and Zakaria gets injured. Basically, anything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Um, okay, fine. We know all this. And then as if things have not been made hard enough, there are two other factors that come into play that I think have just made Potter's job impossible. This, that is two of the most ridiculous transfer windows in football history. First one, full of poor judgment and bad luck that included the expensive and disastrous Aubameyang, Sterling, Fofana, Cucurella and Koulibaly. Second transfer window, £300 million and still no front man and also 
no offloading of anyone other than Jorginho. So, getting to my point, at last. <laughs> First, who the duck? Oh, you've been using the same software as me. Every, every fuck is turned into duck. I hate it. It being censored. Who the duck builds anything by such a random acquisition of a large amount of talent with the hope that it's all just going to click together? That's not how one builds anything. Even Roman's craziness of 2004 had a structure with a style of play in mind and then the filling, one by one, of the positions needed to implement that plan. I also think I had Mourinho behind it as well. Um, second, and this may be even more significant, how can anyone be expected to manage such a large squad of expensive players and keep the squad stable? In a world of such fine margins, isn't this an essential component of any successful squad? But being a certain level of that being a certain level of harmony. Surely, as players realise they will not be playing much, the unrest will start and things will go wrong from within. No manager could possibly want such a large squad. We need a stable team right now, which means if everyone is eventually fit, there will be about 10 players at least who will never play. Never even be on the bench. How can that possibly be a good thing? How can that possibly work? How can that lead to anything other than disaster? Imagine everyone fit. Two from Enzo, RLC. Well, we're not going to pick him, are we? Zachariah, Conte, you'd pick him. Kovacic, the way Kovacic played on Saturday, pick him again. Gallica, running around like a headless chicken. And even Santos, he, he hasn't got a... Um, a card well, to get in. That's no, so what I just said. I meant it. You said it better than me. You said I said card to get in. I couldn't think of the expression, and you supplied it, Chidge. Thank you. How the fuck does that work? Then four from Sterling, Kai, Medweke, Zayek, Abamyang, Fafana, Mudrik, Felix, Pulisic, Mount, Chukwemeka. Are we mad? There is this assumption that these rich Americans are super smart, must know what they're doing, but do they? Um, just to briefly go over those. Sterling actually played very well when he came on, Chidge. I was really intrigued. Weren't you intrigued by that? He had much more energy when he, than he had before. Yeah, but he so still, I think still can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. Indeed. He failed to score, though. He failed to score. Um, uh, uh, Kai is still Kai. Medweke is a, a long-limbed, promising player. Zayek um, is away with the fairies. Yang has clearly blotted his copybook somewhere because he won't be playing again. Fafana is... Uh, Raw, Mudrick doesn't appear to be able to do it. Felix is great. Pulisic's injured. Mounts wandering around looking as if he doesn't want to be there. And Chukwemeka is injured. Um, so my point is, I think we've got no idea whether Potter is the right man or not. Well, I think we do. But I believe it's possible no one could do this job. I just think Potter's been set up to fail. Um, that was a theory we had last week, wasn't it? That he was the he was just set up so they could get rid of him and then they get somebody else in. But that's not what we thought, though, in the end. We, we dismissed that. When things continue to not improve, Potter will be blamed. But I believe it's the club that is to blame for the circus we have right now. That is my head talking. My heart still says that Kante will be back for a couple of weeks and him and Enzo, Enzo I'm sorry, will transport Chelsea to Champions League glory and 36, 26 points in the next 10, 10 games, putting us back in top four contention. Um, I think the latter's probably not right, but I think the idea is that that's what they want to do, is to get win the Champions League with him. I ask you boys, though, how often over the years has the heart triumphed over the head? 
Uh, mm. Not often, though it most definitely happened in 2012, and we're much better now. Thanks for listening, Philip. Of course, that large, unmanageable squad becomes even more unmanageable if we can't score and we're losing every week. Mm. Oh boy, are we ever completely fucked right now. <laughs> what, I love a, what a difference positive... a game makes. Yes, I love it. But I love the fact all the positive talk and what's going on everywhere. And in the end, oh God, we're completely fucked, aren't we? Uh, yes. Yeah, um, Yeah. Good. good points, actually. Good points, but... Um, I, I think I think it, it isn't as difficult to to uh, manage them as as it, it, it he's making out. It's because um, so many of them they're having to be sort of nurtured because of their injuries, and and um, I, I I don't think he knows who the best players are. But it's pretty obvious when they get on the pitch that some of them really can't quite up to it at the moment. But who is that down to? Um, what's that down to? Is it down to uh, his coaching ability? I mean, I. I I felt that his decision on on Saturday to say um, after the game that uh, you know that they they'd set up well Southampton with a tall man up front, um, and I thought well we didn't do anything to counter it did we we didn't really he didn't then attempt to tactically counter what was happening on the pitch, which I that's an aspect of him I do find disturbing. Um, he, he doesn't seem to do many things that um, nullify the opposition. Um, Sorry, it's okay. That was that was good noise. Um, um, yeah, I mean, but, uh, yeah. Good, well, good good email oh. as always from the high quality email that one has come to expect from young Philip from young Kenley. Um, but I think you kind of nail it in a way, Philip, because you sound very confused, and I think that's what we all are. Who is who is to blame? You know, we always need to meet a blame, don't we? So, who is to blame? Is it Potter or is it Bowley? I think the, the 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 I think the conclusion that many of us are rapidly leaping to are that probably a bit of both, really, because Potter doesn't have the track record in the Premier League, or you know, you know, we were saying it all on last night's show. He's not an elite coach. He's not competed at the you know the 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 business end of the champions league he's not won a premier league and all of these things so he's a relative neophyte in terms of managing a club like chelsea and and then you've got um sorry a a child okay uh no i love it it was good neophyte it is then all right and then we got we got bowley and co who've never run a premier league club at all or owned a premier league club know a lot about baseball and basketball but you know the question uh, remains what do they know about football and running a club a football club in, in in the premier league so you know i suppose you can i mean the reality is philip none of us have an absolute scooby about what's going on and none of us really know the answers to the questions that you're posing um of course the only the only answer the only answers will come through time, won't they? And uh, I'm afraid the poor old supporters like you, me, JK and the rest of us just have to kind of go along for the ride, hoping for the best, I'm afraid. That is our lot in life. But there we go. Uh, anyway, good to hear from you, Philip, as always. Now, Jeff Jones, short but sweet, this one. I don't remember the last time we've won a match. Surely Bowley and co are in communication with the players, right? It seems to me that Potter's ineptness cannot be kept secret. The uh, secret from the players, so why would they play for him? It's time for a change. I don't care about the project. Potter is not Arteta. At least Arteta had a decent playing career. We need someone with clout that the players will respect and more importantly trust. That is all. Jeff J, Atlanta, Georgia, USA. I, I don't think it's important that uh, 
you have a decent playing career to be a good manager because um jose never had that did he um uh and lots of them have just been you know the coaches that have come come through not particularly excellent football careers even tuchel didn't have a very good football career did he um i think they then make a decision don't they? they're going to be coaches and they then do their their utmost to uh to be as educated as possible dealing with um groups of men so the sports psychiatry they do and all those other those other uh, tests and exams they have to pass to get all the coaching badges um uh but i think this business about the, the players playing for him is is actually quite relevant because i'm i'm not convinced that they uh that they they well i don't think they've been guided very well so i, I not as, such as downing tools i just don't think they know what to do so you're not seeing them particularly trying um i just get that impression i thought that did you see that um little film of of dave clapping them all by the tunnel chidge um and uh he says you know come on boys come on let's win it or something let's let's do it and um kovacic it just deliberately sort of looks at the wall and and they're all a bit sheepish with him and i just wonder whether they've uh they just don't get it so they're not really trying very hard and I, and I suppose that is downing tools, isn't it? They don't really want to play for the manager. They don't understand what's going on. And I felt Mount played exactly like that at the weekend. He just, he, his body language was just odd. And I got Kovacic's body language was odd. Um, and by the end of the second half, I felt that both Felix and Fernandez had become less lessened as players. They weren't doing anything that was was what we you know worked out was what they did um there's nothing classy about either of them and uh, uh i i'm I, i'm i'm just worried that this this almost that what, what they do with actors at drama schools is they try and strip everything away so they get back to you know the kind of beginning so that they haven't got any ego as the idea behind them it's impossible for an actor not to have an ego but there's a kind of you you get rid of all any 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 um perceptions of what of the characters to create they, they strip it back to nothing and then try and build it all up again um so it gives you kind of more access to your emotions or pushes you in a certain way and i get the impression that that is possibly what they're trying to do is to yeah, but, strip the whole thing but, but back to why basics. do that when you've got a team full of proven uh you know well okay they're not all proven i know that we've had a lot of new players in but you know, we've got yeah. plenty no, of experienced Premier League players. We've got plenty of players who've won World Cups. We've got plenty of players who've won Champions Leagues. You know, one of the things you you often hear that at the top level, um, you know, what you don't need to do is coach players how to play football. They kind of know how to do that. They've proven that. What you need to do is imbue them with, with the right mentality. I mean, I know, again, you could say that you know, elite players already have that mentality, but it, you know, it's it, it's the in-game stuff, isn't it? That's the key. It's the it's the changes in-game that make the difference at the elite level. Um, so it's it's really tactically that you have to to get into these players. Um, you don't have to teach them how to play football. They kind of know how to do that. So I don't understand this going back to basic stuff. It just seems bonkers. And I mean, maybe uh, this is I... maybe this is the point. You know, 
Potter has never managed players of this calibre before. They've all been relatively unknown and untried and untested. You know, when Brighton, uh, when he first got hold of Brighton, most of those, I think they played in the championship. He's in a different yeah. ball game now. And I yeah, wonder yeah, yeah. if he knows how to fucking manage them. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Here's the thing. Go- certainly not- Sorry, JK, go on. Go oh, yeah, on. No, 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 please, please, you, you. you well, I was just going to say to both you and Jeff, the reality is we don't know. We're not there. I mean, JK mentioned, well, you know, this is happening on the training ground the players think this i'd love to be a fly on the wall to see what's going on but we don't know i'm, I'm, I'm guessing Chish. yeah I'm i know guessing. no i mean well me too all we, we all are do. yeah all we can do is guess all i can all i can see is on the pictures i say you're getting subpar performances from those who have already delivered at a very high level you know kovacic and mount for example are uh, during the, the time that we won the the champions league were completely brilliant and uh, and we're not seeing it at all. We're seeing we're seeing. I know Kovacic has been injured. I know he's in just come back. But um, oh, 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 uh, Liverpool, playing, Liverpool. Playing, are, sorry, mate. Breaking news: Liverpool are three-two down to Real Madrid at home. At home, having having been two-nil yeah. up after. Well, they scored on four minutes and fourteen minutes. And uh, Vinicius Who Junior, uh, Nunes for Liverpool, Salah for Liverpool. Then Vinicius Junior Junior scored two. And Militao's just scored another one uh, just in the start of the second half. Fucking hilarious. Sorry, mate, I couldn't resist. Where were you? He's what's his face playing centre half? Is he play- centre forward? Is he playing? What's his name? Who, who are you talking the, about? The uh, French international who plays for them. What's his name? Camavinga. No, the, the Real Madrid centre forward. Uh, Benzema. Name? Yeah, he is. Yeah, is he playing? Yeah, he is. He is. He yeah, is. Yeah. It's pretty much last year's team plus Rudiger, but. Uh, I mean, we don't know, I think, is the uh, is the answer going back to the email. Anyway, uh, you've got another email from Wesley Feist. Wesley Feist. Evening, fellas. Wrote in a couple of weeks ago and was feeling quite positive about the team's chances to at least finish top six by the end of the season. Since then, we've been handed two 1-0 losses, one of which being a terrible performance at the bridge to an abysmal Southampton team. <laughs> they were better than us, uh, 100%. If we'd kept Tommy T, this would not be where we are now, especially with all the talent uh, brought in. Yes. Well, it's... Uh, Again, we don't know. Indeed, indeed, we don't know. We'd, it, it had gone to a, a strange place with him, definitely. And um, everybody had been citing the fact that the, the team had been falling apart with the last you know 20 performances or something. But once again, I would always cite the fact that he got us to two cup finals last season. And uh, and a uh, Champions League um, last eight wasn't it? Was it the semis? Where did we get last eight? It's yeah, quarter final, where, wasn't it? Where, yeah, yeah, where we we almost won it. So well, we were uh, a Mendy brain fart away from going through, really, weren't we? We were, we were, and we were a a, um, a, a finger away, an Alonso finger from having that other goal given to us, weren't we? Just we flicked were. his finger. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I you know, I, I. Well, who knows what would have happened if Tommy had been here? But he, well, what would have happened was that they'd have probably been rowing nonstop with the owners because he 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 didn't want to do what they wanted to do. So he didn't want to um he didn't want to be their 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 little um collaborative puppet to an extent. I'm I'm an, once again I don't really know what I'm talking about. But I the stories that we we were told was that uh, um 
they're very keen on communicating and he's a little bit secretive and uh, that wasn't going to oh, work. I mean, this is, this is think... this... sorry, go on, mate. Sorry, sorry. I'm doing what I did last no, no. night. I'm getting wound up and interrupting you. Oh, sh- no, get wound up, get no, wound no, up. No, 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 I like it. I like it. No, no, no. Well, I mean... No, I wasn't making a great point. All know, right, so. okay, fair enough. Well, look, you know, this is what fucking owners they interfere and interfere and interfere and it back the fuck off you don't know what you're talking about do what you're there to do to provide the fucking money and the infrastructure and 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 allow the people who you've hired and paid lots of good money to do to do what they they do best i mean i i've long i mean okay we know because simon jordan keeps like lifting his underskirts up and telling everybody that that tuchel got sacked for something that was so horrendous that anybody would have sacked him um that aside, I long held the view that Tuchel A was, uh, you know, having a bit of a meltdown because of the load that he'd been carrying for uh, most, well, most of the previous four or five months because of the sanctions. He was the one that stepped up to the plate, offering to drive the team coach from Lille, whereas uh, Buck and the rest of them hid under the table. So there's that. There was also all the other things that we, t- I mean, you know, people talk about the form over the last six months no that's not true i mean put it this way too cool in the few matches that he he played before getting replaced by uh potter managed to get 10 points out of those games those 10 points could be crucial in us either staying up or getting into top four this season when one considers how appallingly we've done recently so you know people talk about this terrible form yeah the football was a bit negative and boring at times but we were we were getting there you know if you remember early on it's all been about you know i want to see this club competing we know we might not win the premier league title this year because we don't have the players to do it etc 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 but by god this is chelsea football club and we will compete we will make it hard for people we will get there or thereabouts. Now, OK, he didn't in the Premier League, but then he's not alone. Nobody has since Conte won it for us. But he was there or thereabouts everywhere else. So I'm not buying this poor form. I'll buy that, OK, it was a bit negative, you know, and a bit boring. But I'm not having the, uh, you know, it was awful, you know, awful results that got, got him out and he deserved to go because of that, because that's just revisionist bullshit. The other thing, of it course... Is, it's- rewriting history Chidge, i agree yeah i mean the other thing i would say is that if you remember i remember because you and i were on the shows when we were saying it he had an awful lot to contend with you had the covid issue the lukaku issue which basically created a massive stink in the camp we had injuries to chilwell and reese james injuries to other kante missing as always so you know there was a lot going on so i, I think to answer wesley's wesley's first uh question really or or, or his last question his only question in fact would Tommy T have done better? Well, obviously we cannot know, but what we do know is that he's a much better and an elite manager compared to Graham Potter. So you work it out. Yeah. I think we know which side your bread is buttered, Chidge. Well, it's it's like unarguable. Thomas Tuchel is an elite manager in world football. He has the trophies yeah. and the standing and the clubs that he's managed to back it up. It's unarguable. You know, you might, you might as well say, who's the better manager out of Chidge and Tommy Tuchel? I mean, for fuck's sake. It's obvious. Only an idiot would a rumor, argue different. Rumour he may be going back to uh, PSG, yeah, I think well, that's right. Yeah, like good it. luck to him. I like the bloke. Anyway. Uh, ah, right, Gregory Gardner. Now, dear old Gregory, <laughs> I don't know this because I was... I, we were so overloaded with uh, 
with Mixler post last night. I had no chance of keeping up with you at all, um, but I did flick back through it uh, when I went when I went to bed. And uh, Gregory is a he's a constant in Mixler, bless him. And he's always posting, and he was like getting more and more irate because none none of us on the show were digging out the players who he felt deserved an absolute kicking rather than us just picking on Potter. Um, so just what I want to say is duly noted Gregory. Anyway, he says hi everyone. I bet you it's about the players. Anyway, hi everyone. Been a while since I've written in, and I'm sure there will be a plethora of emails, so I'll keep this short. Fuck the players and the coaching staff. None of them should collect a paycheck until they actually win for once. Hell, how about until they actually just score? I hate to sound plastic, but call me when they win because I'm tired of wasting my time, not leaving work early or missing anything just so I can watch this absolute rubbish. Three wins since October. Four goals since the start of the year. I'm not pottering or out, but if I performed as badly as him and these players at my job, I would be fired. There you go. Mate, I feel your pain. JK? Pithy to the point and, and correct, of course. This is the thing. Absolutely right. Yes. There, it, it's, it's, one goes along, it's the hope, isn't it, that kills. You go along to watch, to think, it must be better this week. I mean, once again, we said, you know, if we hadn't made those six changes, it might have been better. It might have been, it would be the momentum would have been carried on from the, from the Dortmund game. But um, uh, uh, his reasoning was that he wanted to give them a rest. Well, been but it, may, it may be true that they were, they, they were, I mean, you know, I'm all, I'm, I have to say, uh, if it's true what, the, what Matt Law's article said, and he was pr- protecting them from further injury on the advice of the medical staff, then I'm not going to dig him out for that because I applaud that because the number of times I was moaning about them bringing Reese and Kante back early and then getting injured again was driving me up the wall. And uh, if that was the case, I'm not going to dig him out for that. Uh, I am going to dig him out for his lack of consistency in selection since he's been here though although again you could say new signings and injuries to players have also compounded that breaking news jk your favorite yeah. frenchman has scored again or scored a goal it's now uh liverpool two uh real madrid four quatre yeah quatre oui yeah le taxi pour um, liverpool j'espère um Philip Maguire, hello, you lovely boys. JK, no guest, I'm afraid, Phil, because it would be nice if it was Alex, but she's uh, she's not there, not there. Uh, your show continues to cheer me up during these dark times at the bridge. Thank you, thank you, mate. I wrote this straight after the whistle blew versus Southampton. Oh, no. So I apologise in advance for my mood. I promise you I'm reining it in, okay. For fuck's sake! No, get up! I also, I also saw this coming, as others have said. I saw the Beeb say that Chelsea were incredibly unlucky today. Fuck off. You make your own luck in life. So what are our new owners going to do now? Continue playing Football Manager 2023 or roll their sleeves up and address the elephant in the room, Potter? So many people have made the excuse for Potter of he's not had a pre-season. In my view, giving a top manager with a successful record a pre-season is the only solution I can see working. He can't stay now, can he? If he starts complimenting the players, the boys work really hard out there, etc. It might just put me in hospital. He's utterly useless. What's this shit about trying to buy Neymar? I think that was just a um, a, a, a toilet rumour. What well, again, Roman tried to do that when he was good. No, thank you. And that's not to mention we already have too many number 10 players as it is. In Football Manager, the transfer dealing is where the fun is for most as the manager isn't really in danger. 
which is exactly how Chelsea are rolling this season. It's time to grow up, you guys from LA. Smell the coffee and sack Potter. Not having a manager has clearly worked well for Southampton. Oh, fuck, the Dippers are now 2-0 up versus the barcodes. Keeping it rolling, Phil. I like that, the barcodes. Lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, it's not going to happen, though, is it? Is it? No, we, we don't know. We don't know, but we presume not. Um, I mean, as I said yesterday, um, you know, I've, I've, I've worked, you know, a long time in all sorts of organizations and i've i've led organizations as well and uh you know i think part of leadership at an organizational level is is you know making the tough calls and also admitting when you get it wrong you know i've i've hired people that i thought would be brilliant and they turned up to be absolutely fucking beyond useless and at some point and and you know when you're the leader of an organization your primary primary role is to protect that organization with your life that's what you do you protect the organization as in its brand value and you protect the future of the employees who are vulnerable if it all goes tits up and might lose their jobs so you have to make the tough calls and as i said sometimes you have to recognize when you've made an absolute horlicks of a decision and then you need to go and correct it you don't you know you don't compound it by digging your heels in and 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 uh, pretending it didn't ever happen and going oh, oh, oh look the other way you know no you don't you have to have the balls to say you know what i got it wrong it's a shame it, i wish it had worked out but it's not going to and now we have to act i don't think i really need to say any more on that do i jk no but regardless of that i still don't think it's going to happen no well we'll we'll see cause... we don't know again do we we don't know a lot tonight we're no, in a very much we don't know it's the we don't know we don't show know. I don't know. I'm just looking from the, the the likelihood of of if if the little bits of information we've been given are correct, which is that they think they're going to win the Champions League. What there the is a chance. Of what winning. are they smoking? I, remember, remember, the idea is that they they've looked ahead and they don't think anybody's terribly good, and they think the team will just get better and better because all the injured players will come back, and they think that. If Conte is back specifically, it, the whole the whole team will be galvanised, and they'll have a world class midfield player that Fernandez can play with, and then the strongest side will go out and take part in the Champions League games. And they think that that strongest side is able to deal to cope with every every opposition it comes up uh, comes up against because it doesn't think the standard is terribly high. That was the theory. That was the idea that Liam tell gave. that to Real Madrid and, tonight. Hey, I, I agree. I agree. But, you know, well, the, uh, what Tuchel was able to do all the time was he came up with a, a plan. He came up with a tactic, didn't he, to deal with Real Madrid, which was to push them all out and push, push, push and and um, uh, press. I, I have to say, I've never seen we have we've yet to see Potter play to press anybody. He's never seemed to have he's, done that. He's, depressed. He? he's depressed a lot of people. We don't we don't actually see that. Constant pressing and then backing off for a bit. We haven't seen that. That's not part of his remit. Whereas Tuchel did that wonderfully against Real Madrid in both the ties that we won in the year we won the, the trophy. He just pushed them all off down by... They, every time they got the ball, we got the ball back or pushed them to, to supply a really dreadful pass by pushing them out towards the touchline. That was the that was the ploy. That was the tactic. Now, I, I'm not convinced we could we can see much of a tactic with... Yeah. With Potter, well, I don't I, see. I, I think, you know, 
as regards Bowley and Co, I mean that that it's all smells like that statistical bullshit. They've kind of like gone gone on a spreadsheet and worked out on the metrics that if Kante comes back, we can win the Champions League, which takes absolutely no account of the fact that he hasn't kicked a ball in anger for oh, I, I mean, I've, I've lost count of how many months it is now. I mean, you know what I call that in my profession? We call that magical thinking, which is something that needs to be worked through so that people come back to reality. Isn't it August he got injured? September, October, November, I December, can't remember, January, mate, February. but it's, it's you know... It's, okay, seven, so the whole season... Months. Yeah. Seven months he hasn't. Yeah. yeah. So you don't know what... If he has any form, I mean, it's, you know, this is the point. I mean, if this is an, an issue about statistics, which he may well be, JK's got his head in his hands. He's got his beanie hat over. He's, he's like, oh, for fuck's sake, Chid, you're going off on one again. I can't bear it. But, you know, but if this is about this kind of statistical rubbish, it's not taking account of, 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 of the nuances of football. And as I said, Kante has not kicked a ball in anger since, like, you think, August. We don't know what kind of form he's going to be in. You don't know if he's going to gel with the kind of players that we've now born in. You don't know this shit. So you cannot sit there and go, hey, it's all okay. We'll keep Potter because we're going to win the Champions League. Perhaps, perhaps he's gelling at the moment and the training. Fuck off. <laughs> it's rubbish, mate. It's rubbish. <laughs> oh, but anyway, God. yes. Anyway, campus, but it's all lovely but, here. But the answer, yeah, it's all lovely. No, but the answer, therefore, is, is, is Phil. You know, I'd love to say, yes, he's off. And yes, we agree with no, you. Because we, we do agree with you. But we but, don't know. But, yeah. We don't know. It's the We Don't we Know don't show. Know. That's a good title yeah, for a show, yeah. actually, the We Don't Know show. No, I prefer, I prefer we haven't got a fucking clue show, yeah, actually. It's probably more That's accurate. Okay. More accurate, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> Here's yeah. a man who always knows. Uh, is the lovely George Spencer. Did Chigi, JK and guest. There ain't no guest. As it happens, I made a couple of mistakes last week. Firstly... I should have asked you to disregard the repetition in my email. It had repeated my point about JK and Hogwarts legacy. And then I meant to ask about archive episodes, such as the ones from the Overbro game, the run into the, uh, the run to the champ 2012 Champions League and the reign of the fat Spanish waiter. I think you spelled waiter wrong. Uh, so I combined a modified version of last week's email with this week's. Last week was another game, another opportunity squandered. Things seemed so rosy when Jao Felix put us in front early on. Then enter Cucurella, who, uh, through either some dodgy paella or too much Estrella the previous night, or just being rubbish, allows Emerson to equalise. Then we have to rely on VAR to bail us out. However, we have to ask where on earth, where on earth VAR was when Suchek handled the ball in the penalty box. Perhaps the VAR ref's children are currently taught by my old West Ham supporting English teacher, who was the spitting image of Goldfinger. Had a shorter fuse than Fergie whenever a referee pointed to the United penalty spot, and all the tact of Vesuvius the day it buried Pompeii. Speaking of short fuses, <coughs> excuse me. Speaking of short fuses, why oh why did Potter not make a fuss over the penalty? Mourinho would have spoken about nothing else, and Conte would have likely thrown his wig at the fourth official. Potter's supposed to be trying to appease the supporters, not the copite CEO of Ref Support UK. Good point. I've tried to be patient with Potter, but his constant selection of habits when Fafana is available makes me wonder if he really is the right person for the job. Step forward, Winchester City, the mighty Winchester City, <laughs> to salvage my weekend as they defended a 1-0 lead and a relegation six-pointer at Hendon with 10 men for over half an hour before scoring a breakaway goal into an empty net to seal all three points and move out of the drop zone and make it three games unbeaten. Unfortunately, 
They then went 1-0 down at Poole in midweek, while Chelsea suffered a case of same old, same old, create dozens of chances and then concede a sloppy goal, football manager style. At least we don't have to worry about them scoring an away goal. So, there was I thinking that Southampton would be the perfect opportunity to pick things up. Was it fuck? We produced absolutely fuck all and ended up being doubled by a team bottom of the league. As much as I hate to say it, Pochettino might have been the better option. Even Winchester City beating penalty merchants Plymouth Parkway had the shine taken off it thanks to the fact that I had to miss it. Being stuck at home, recovering from the effects of a dodgy burger at Aldershot's ground the previous Tuesday. Until next time, up the Chels, George Spencer. Yeah, George, avoid the dodgy burgers at Aldershot's ground, that's for sure. Was um, was Goldfinger Donald Pleasance or was it... Um, Bert uh, Fro- Gert Frober. Oh, Gert, that's right, you're Gert right. Frober. But he was... He Go- was he was voiced by somebody because his English was so poor he couldn't manage the script. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Perhaps it was Sir Charles Gray who voiced him that I got. Yeah, I'll look him up. I'll look him up. Yeah, go for because Donald Pleasance played the one who who stroked the pussy, wasn't it? Who were? Who were Mrs. <laughs> well, he had the cat on his lap. Mrs. Slocum, eat lap. your heart out. I nearly said something else then. Um, uh, 5-2 to Real Madrid now. Benzema's just scored another one. This is hilarious. Bloody Hilarious. Hilarious. Right, last one of part one. Okay, this is fucking genius. I remember reading this when it came in. I very rarely reply to anybody's emails, but Loz cheered me up so much he got an instant reply. Loz Barnes, the legend of Loz. Hi, Chidge, Lord. Hi, Chidge, Lord. It's me, Chid. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, I just read the last one, yeah. didn't I? I'm terribly sorry. Yeah, JK. It's next to it. It's so the little initial really initi- really says JK, really you see, just there. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Chid, by all means, read no, it. No, I'll just, sorry, I'll no, just, sorry, I'll just, sorry. I'll go. I'll go. You read the I'm rest sorry, of them. and am sorry, it's not uh, working for uh, me. Yeah, yeah, and I'll just, I'll wander off and, uh, you know, and have a, have a lie down. Oh, um, breaking news. Sorry, breaking news. Uh, Brian Justman says, Telly Savalas was Blofeld with the white pussy. <laughs> who, who was Donald Pleasance then? He he was also Blofeld. In a, in he was another, the other, yes, right. Yeah. He, he was, he was yeah. you're right, he was. I used to know his daughter. Right, yeah. what, what, what was she called? Miranda. She was a very pleasant Pleasance. Yeah, I'm going to say pussy. <laughs> I'll set you up for that. <laughs> she was a pleasant pleasant <laughs> God. Oh dear. Pleasant fuckers. Great. Prudence, prudence pleasant. Prudent prudence pleasant. No pleasurable pleasant. Anyway. Um hi Chidge. Lord Privy Kid. Oh Loz. Thank you. Are we related, Loz, do you think? What about that? Are we related? Because my mum was a Barnes. Are you are the Barnes is your Was she Barnes, a Barnes from Barnes? From... She was uh, she lived in Barnes, funnily enough, yeah. We lived in Barnes, but originally she was um Norwood. Uh, and Worcester Park. Um, where else? That was it. Mostly Worcester Park. But yeah. yeah anyway. Um, hi, Chidge, Lord Privy Kid and esteemed guests. Uh, they were related to the Brooks, by the way. The Brooks. Are you related to the Brooks? The Brooks. There was a guy called um, uh, something rather Brook who was in um, uh, Dam Busters and uh, Bridge of the River Choir, I think. Anyway, I digress. Please read this message. Please read this comma message. I don't think that's right, Loz. I'm sorry. Please read this message. That's right. Entirely for context before commenting. I've thought very long and hard about this statement on the league position currently. (coughs) 
no, I'm sorry, no season is easy. The league is very competitive, as we know. But being committed to hard work and building takes time to have an impact. Uh oh, this is the time to insist. I'm sorry. This is the time to trust the process, whatever it may look like. Please stay calm. I ought to be speaking this in this 1930s voice. Please stay calm as I say this. There have been a few good weeks and far too many terrible weeks, or even sound like Montgomery. But the club has stuck at it. Some odd results are clearly difficult to foresee, and a loss of luck at vital moments has been a theme since the year began. Add VAR, and the cocktail is complete. That was too silly. I do apologize. I do not despair, like however. Or... Do I? No, I'm just winding you up. Your face though. <laughs> fucking worth it. <laughs> No, I'm just thinking. No, but you didn't wind me up. I was thinking. Mate, mate, really? you, you sounded brilliant. Carry on. I'm loving it. Now, can, like, oh, no, start, just... start again from the top because you've got to read this one in one. I've read it. Trust me on this. All right. So start again from the oh, top. I've got to read it. I'm in sorry, your 1930s yeah, voice. No, I won't. I'll just read it properly. I'm sorry, Loz. I mucked about too much. I'm sorry. Hi, Chidge. Lord Privy Kid. Oh, I'll read it in that voice then because I'm Privy Kid. No, shush. Shush. Please read this message entirely for context before commenting. I've thought very long and hard about this statement on the league position currently. <clears throat> no season is easy. The league is very competitive, as we know. But being committed to hard work and building takes time to have an impact. This is the time to trust the process, whatever it may look like. Please stay calm as I say this. There have been a few good weeks and far too many terrible weeks, but the club stuck at it. Some odd results are clearly difficult to foresee and a loss of luck at vital moments has been a theme since the year began. Add VAR and the cocktail is complete. I do not despair, however, and while mid-table doesn't feel good enough, I see this as clear. Next season will be better and my prem predictions position <laughs> will reflect the quality of management you have all come to expect. Cheers, loss. <laughs> I told, I so, told you. So, you told me. So, loss, loss, um, loss predicts that next season will be better. Well, it can't be any fucking worse, can it? Really? Well, he, he's talking about bless him. He's talking about uh, his uh, his. Uh, oh, for fuck's sake! Sorry, hang on. He's talking about his uh, prem predictions uh, performances, which completely. I just need to go keep talking while I find. I'd find, hang on, I've got the wrong fucking table open. Hang on. Okay. Chelsea Fancast. Loz Barnes. Where's Loza? Oh, he, well, for fuck's sake. Is it still 5 2? Oh, where is he? Yeah, where yeah, yeah, he? yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's in 20, he's in 26th position. Loz, mate, you're doing well. I mean, I'm that, I had a shocker last week. I'm in 44th place. Mind you, apparently the average point score last week was 25. Um, Somebody got 127 in our group. How did 130? Freddie Carberg, he's on, on fire at the moment. Got 138. Uh, but uh, I had a shot. Pat Nevin got minus 29. Uh, Kerry had a shocker. He, he and Canners both got minus 16. But anyway, I dropped from about 26, where Loz is, to 44th. So, Loz, I think you're doing all right. You're not mid-table mediocrity. That is for sure. So there you go. Always good to hear from Loz, of course. Uh, right, OK, uh, we're going to have a quick break. But before we do that, I need to remind you lovely people about two fantastic things. One is that I'm doing the 
big Stamford Bridge Sleepout 2023, which is on March the Sunday, uh, Saturday, March the 25th, um, which will involve me sleeping with about 99 Chelsea supporters and maybe a few ex-players, you never know, uh, and getting very cold whilst Canners ask me who um, who John Neal's assistant was, I suspect, or something like that. But it's bloody cold under the East End, I'll tell you. It was the, the last time I went there, it was really cold. And I was fortified by a lot of beer. Uh, so there we go. But it's for a very good cause. It's for the Stoll Foundation, our neighbours next door. Uh, so uh, they look after homeless vets, uh, veterans, and uh, they, you know, veterans with mental health issues, that kind of thing. It's a really good charity. They're our neighbours too. So it's nice to help out the people that we kind of cohabit with. Uh, I will also be doing another Tales from the Shed uh, from my garden by the fire pit, armed with a bottle of whiskey and a big uh, Monte Cristo number three. Um, but I'm going to have to do that as a pre-record. But I'm going to be doing Tales from Come Along and Sing This Song, the new book by uh, by Marco and Mark and the boys. So uh, hopefully that will help you part with some money as well. But if you want to sponsor me, it's www.justgiving.com forward slash David Chigi one. Uh, and there you go. And you can sponsor me. And the second thing, of course, is that on March the 5th, Sunday, March the 5th uh, at 2.30, we're doing another Chelsea fan cast and the Troubadour Club presents an afternoon with Paul Canners Canneville. Yeah, good old Canners, a long term, long time friend of the show uh, is going to be doing a little gig. We've done one with Cundy, uh, with Pat Nevin, with Kerry Dixon. It's now Canners' turn. And uh, we'll be talking about the Leeds match and we'll do a live Q&A with uh, Canners and uh, you'll get an opportunity to have a chat with Paul yourself, meet him, get anything signed, uh, whatever you want to do, really. Um, we'll probably kick off about three o'clock. Annoyingly, this this all clashes with the Conti Cup final, for which I take no responsibility because the bloody thing wasn't in the diary when I booked all of this. Tickets are £20 plus a £2 booking fee uh, and they are available at ticketweb.uk. Actually, I should just... I should I should get this right, really, shouldn't I? Because otherwise I'll be leading people. And um, by the way, actually, for avoidance of doubt, uh, both the uh, the link to my Just Giving pages on my Twitter and Facebook pages, and uh, as is as is the uh, ticket information for the canners do, but it is ticketweb.uk. So go to ticketweb.uk, get yourself a ticket. There's only about 50 available because it's a very small venue, which means it's lovely and intimate. Uh, plenty of the other fan casters will be around, so you can go and have a chat with them, have a drink with them too. They're great fun, these. I mean, every every time we've done one, everybody said, these are fantastic. When are you doing the next one? When are you doing the next one? So uh, no excuses. Make sure you come along. Right, after a quick rub down with Deep Heat, JK and I will be back. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's matchday problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. 
It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, the in off the post show, the occasional random show that JK and I put together when we've had a bulging. Post bag. Sack. Oh, very good. Sorry. I should uh, patience, you see. Comic timing. Not no sign of it at all from me there. Uh yeah, I'm Stanford Chidge, of course. He down there is lovely, very witty, and very clever, uh, and has per- oh. perfect comic timing, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oh, 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 thank you. In fact, I'm not down there for you for me and you. For We're side by side you. today, aren't we? Yeah. We are. Yeah. We're yeah, on yeah. on level par. We're equal. We're yes, definitely. And I'm being embraced, embraced by Marcus Alonso as my screen. Table. Marcus Alonso is at this minute tonguing you in the left ear, just as you like he is, it. He is. Yeah, he is. He is. He is. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a problem with that. Yeah. All right. Without further right, ado, good. sorry, mate. That, time is short. Let's get on with it. Uh, Matt Scott email. Good evening, all. Hope everyone is well. Firstly, I just want to say thank you to the Chelsea Fancast for giving up a Thursday night to read out the email, just emails which get sent in by our fellow passionate Chelsea fans. I don't think anyone has given you, Chidge, and you, JK, the credit you deserve in all you do for us listeners. Not once, not twice, but three times a lady. So, no, it doesn't say that. But now th- sometimes three evenings a week. JK's face again. He's, he's contorted in oh, anguish. Oh, I liked it. I liked oh, okay, it, fair enough. Like- well, you didn't look like it. On behalf of everyone, thank you, lads. Right, now time for... Bi- what? What? You were misreading my, my look. I was, you know, I was we- remembering how we'd... we'd um, we we everybody seemed to like one in ten last night and um and the uh, the other song the uh, um I'll never uh, see uh, a goal again yeah, yeah that was goal again yeah fall in love again yeah, yeah they liked it they oh, got some emails yeah, yeah yeah nice tweets yeah indeed anyway yeah uh yeah, yeah yeah right on behalf of everyone thank you lads right now time for business I wrote in a couple of weeks ago about the potential. Chelsea side we may have at the start of the 23-24 season. The only worry I have now is the leader in the dugout. Bit of a... a I'm noticing a trend here, Chidge, aren't you? Yeah. In, the, in all the emails. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's really odd to figure that one Who'd out. Who would have yeah, thunk yeah. it? Now, uh, after doing some research Saturday evening, I would like to share some information that you may or may not already know. In Graham Potter's 25 games at Chelsea, here are a few stats. Played 25, won 9, drew 7, lost 9, goals for 26, goals away 24. Average shots on target per game, 4.6. Average shots conceded on target per game, 4.2. Average possession per game, 58%. Average passes per game, 556. Average big chances created per game, 2. Average big chances missed per game, 1.44. Lower than I thought. Average big chances conceded per game, 1.48. Now... I know that stats don't exactly mean everything and the scoreline is all uh, that really matters. However, 
as above, nine wins, seven draws and nine defeats in 25 games, along with the rest of the stats, goes to show that under Potter we are not a title-winning side, nor does it show we are a terrible side. But it 100% goes to prove we are a bang average side who likes to pass the ball without creating or causing too much damage to the opposition. Hmm. I hear so many people saying we lack a number nine. Perhaps we do. But what happens when that number nine gets injured? Does it just then uh, does it then just mean it's acceptable to come up with the stats we produce currently? I don't think so. I hope Potter can change these things around. But the proof is in the pudding when you analyse the 25 games he's been in charge. Is he just an average manager now turning us into an average side? Or has Bowley and Co. really done their research and seen something in Potter that everyone else doesn't? I just want to leave you all with this. If this new ownership is so stats-driven, then why did they appoint Potter over someone like Howe or Dyche? Uh, well, because Howe was at Newcastle and probably wouldn't have come. And, I, you know, poor old Dyche gets a very bad rap. Games in the Premier League prior to Potter's appointment. Howe. 190 games, 56 wins, 43 draws, 91 defeats. Win percentage, 29%. Dyche, 257 games, 70 wins, 68 draws, 119 defeats. Win percentage, 27%. Potter, 119 games, 34 wins, 43 draws, 42 defeats. Win percentage, 28%. I'm assuming when Bowley and Co. did the research by their strat... Div- strat? By their stat-driven data, they yet again picked the average of the three, which was Potter. It's a good theory, man. I like it. What I find more alarming about this is prior to Potter's Chelsea appointment, he had only 34 Premier League wins to his name. What is it about him that the new ownership thought was more important than Tuchel or anyone else? Anyways, as per usual, discuss. Love to you all. And up the fucking Chelsea, Matt Scott. Well... Matt, uh, you make some excellent points there, and it's the point that I've been saying, you know. Look, I've got nothing against Potter, personally. I think he's an exceptionally lovely guy, and maybe there's even a a really good coach in there somewhere. I mean, I think, you know, uh, we have to be fair and say, of course, Eddie Howe, Potter and Dyche have got really low win percentages. They were managing teams that were going to get beaten more than they were going to win because they were Burnley and Bournemouth and, and Brighton. It's It stands to reason, doesn't it? However, one thing I know, I mean, you know, we, we've done this show tonight. It's almost like we don't, the we don't know show. What we do know, the facts, the facts, these are unarguable facts, is that Graham Potter has never managed a club of the size and the stature and the European elite expectations of a club like Chelsea. He has never managed a club where you have a lot of world club. Well, world class is probably a bit a bit uh, stretching it, but players of this quality who have certain expectations of a manager. He has never managed a side in the Champions League. He's therefore never got to the business end of the Champions League tournament, let alone winning it. He has never managed a side that's got into the top four. Okay, obviously that's not going to be easy if you manage Brighton, but he doesn't know what it's like to do that. He's never won a trophy in England. And again, okay, he was never going to with a club like Brighton because they just weren't, although he did long off the FA Cups as far as... Actually, no, I think they did get... Anyway, beside the point. The point is, he is not at the level of a Jurgen Klopp, a Pep Guardiola, uh, a Thomas Tuchel, um, even a Ten Hag, you could argue in some respects. I mean, he is not an elite European manager 
which is the kind of manager that tends to manage clubs like Chelsea, who are an elite European club. That is a fact. That is unarguable. Now, OK, maybe in five years' time, he might just about be good enough to get us in the top four. But I just don't see it. That's my personal opinion. Nothing against Potter. I just don't see it happening. And I think if we want to remain as an elite European club, we need to have an elite European manager. It is that simple. I think they've chosen Potter because of the stats, because he made such progress um, from the Swedish league, because he was stats-driven. And I think when they came to Chelsea, they thought one of the things that is missing here is a large stacked, stacked well, a stacked bin. There was nothing in it. I think they did do a few stats things. I think Tuchel Mate, did do that. Tuchel was obsessed right. with stats. He was a stats manager. Sarri was a stats manager. This is, um, again, it's revisionist bullshit. <laughs> it's revisionist. That's right. They came up with it. But anyway, so I think they chose the one person that they thought was on that wavelength that they had, which was they could get hold of somebody who would not be phased by being informed that they had to buy a certain player because he'd achieved a certain number of runs within a specific time at a certain speed or something. And uh, and I wonder whether that is their thinking even now, that they're thinking it will all come good. It's just a question of he keeps going gelling and bedding them in. And I think... You know, that's his big thing, even the press conferences. He says, you know, it's new players coming in, getting them to play together. And we've had injuries, it's getting more. So he's, he, he will always use this excuse while the team is not doing well. And that is his, that is his, his get-out-of-jail card. He's got two get-out-of-jail cards. He's got the, um, the fact that they've given him all this time to make it work and the fact that he had all the injuries and, uh, and people coming back from the World Cup and... Uh, he's got all these new players he has to make somehow um, fold them all together in the right recipe and come out with an oven-ready team. Um, but uh, uh, I, I'm, I, I wonder how long he will keep using these excuses because he used the same excuse again after the Southampton game about we've had a tough time, he said. We've had a tough... This, this is So each time there is a, a defeat or they don't play as well, he will say... We had a good we had a good half, but not much luck, and we've had a tough time. Now there will come a a, a time where this ceases to be relevant in a couple of months, another say ten games. He just can't possibly do that. But I think that is a that is a reason why there doesn't seem to be any activity in looking for someone else. I mean, we discussed last night about the fact that they surely have somebody else in preparation who might take over. But I, I, I once again, that was just you know, farting in the wind. We've got no idea at all. Mm. They may not have done that. They may be absolutely happy till the summer until he gets everything working. They think they're going to finish. They might win the win the Champions League. They think they're going to finish about 10th. They don't mind because I think, once again, this is what um, uh, Liam said. They will be happy next year to only have a small number of games to play because they can then sculpt the team better. And then the following season, they'd be in a position to take on anybody because they'll have bought three or four new players and got rid of everybody else. Well, I mean, I think one of the problems with, with this whole process of what well, the process is, we may see some people go that we we never, ever envisaged going. You know, I think Connor may go. I think Mount may go. I think Kovacic may go. Um, 
Uh, I'm not convinced Havertz will go, but I think possibly. And I think we, we will be looking at a completely different side this time next year. Mm, I think you may be right on the latter. I mean, what what I would say about this stats-based approach, again, I mean, I'm not going to repeat what I said a minute ago, but Sarri was certainly into stats. Uh, Tuchel was definitely into stats. A very stats-based manager. It's just a fallacy to say that Chelsea just didn't do stats. It makes it sound like Mike fucking Bassett was the manager for the last 20 years. It's absolute rubbish. Propaganda. Bullshit. PR wankery. What I will say is that it doesn't matter how much statistical analysis you have you and i know we've been watching football for a combined number of about a hundred years okay what we can what we know is that there is also something that is indefinable that gets you over the line to win trophies that is not necessarily driven by stats we've seen it time and time again you know, I mean, this was the problem that we had as a club, a collective mental, uh, um, you know, void, for want of a better word, where we would get so close but no further in terms of winning. Winning, We didn't have a winning mentality. That's not statistically driven. You know, that's, that's to do with the human character. Ranieri, you know, he was never going to win us anything. You know, we did this on the 50 years shows. He was good up to a point. And then it took a Mourinho to get us over the line. It was about winning mentality. Pretty much had the same players the next season and they looked a different team. Uh, Tuchel and Frank. Frank would get us so far, Tuchel gets us the Champions League six months later. And, you know, let's face it, we were fucked out of the, uh, you know, um, uh, every... I mean, you know, I, he, he lost the FA Cup, didn't he, twice, and the League Cup. The the, 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 league, two, the league Cup, on, on you know, Kepa fucking hoofing it over the bar. In a you know penalty shootout, tightest of margins. Uh, same for the FA Cup final, and uh, you know Leicester, a dodgy decision goes our way. You cannot control things like that. Bad luck, dodgy decisions, poor VAR. You can't. Stats can't determine that in the same way that they can't determine getting you over the line when it counts. Mourinho, brilliant manager, getting you over the line, obviously. So, I mean, that's my point. I I I just I cannot see. Graham Potter winning us anything. I just cannot see it. I just don't think he has it in him to do it at this level. You know, if you're in a semi-final against Real Madrid in the Champions League, I can't see him doing it. And that's got nothing to do with stats. That will also, that's got nothing to do with with them uh, getting rid of him. They won't get rid of him. uh, Even even though we can see that that won't happen because, because he's he's the man in situ until it all goes completely pear-shaped. But even then, he'll have an excuse for it going pear-shaped. So it will go pear-shaped until it doesn't. And it may never not go pear-shaped as long as he's manager. Unfortunately. Good point. All right. You've got another one. This is is hilarious, this one. This is not holding back. Ian Wood. Hi, all. All along, I've thought Todd Bowley had, had no idea what he's doing. Fans that have expressed this view have been labelled xenophobic or anti-American. That's missing the point, I think. Let's look at some facts in no particular order. The genius idea of a North versus South All-Stars game to raise more revenue. No further comment needed, my Lord. The even better idea, we should play in a 4-4-3 formation. Sacking TT so soon into the season after spending a shed load of cash on players. Think of Brighton as the club to model us on. 
just thinking this is a sane, insane, but then acting on it. No further comment, my lord. Yes. Transfers. We're told to trust in the long-term project. This has been scattergun and utterly absurd. The gamble of issuing so many eight- and nine-year contracts could really haunt us for, well, about eight or nine years, to be precise. Giving Potter and his staff a five-year contract. I'm nothing against Potter. In fact, it'd be great to have a young British manager do well in the Premier League. But deep down, we've all known it could never work. So it's not anti-American. It's anti the arrogance and stupidity that you can come into our football club and run it bigger and better than it's ever been run. And then have the audacity to make comments how badly the club has run over the last 20 years. That is shit, I do agree. The damage you've done in less than a year is staggering. You might technically own our club, club, our club, our club, along with your bunch of corporate whores. Ooh. But it's our club, Mr. Bowley. Owners, players, managers merely pass through. Long-term supporters are the soul of a club. Kind regards, Ian Wart. Oh, Ian, I love you. I love you, Ian. What a lovely, lovely mail. <laughs> Email of the week. That's brilliant, Ian. <laughs> you know, you went in hard there, mate. You went in two-footed, but it was never a red card. Never. All day Despite long. Despite the leg having been the leg having been broken and the bone coming through. No, nah, that was you know it was you know mate that was just superb. I couldn't have I could have written that myself if only I had, but I didn't. Ian did. Well done, mate. Good to hear from you. Passionate and saying it as it is. Um, getting a lot of love on Mixler as well. There you go. Everybody's claiming it. There you go. I'm Spartacus. Right. <laughs> uh, right. Barrett Duperon. We love. I'm Ian Wood. I'm Ian Wood. I'm Ian Wood, and so is my wife. Uh, right. Hello, Chidge and JK. Uh, we've all worked somewhere with a manager that's stealing a living. Sometimes I was that manager, Barrett. It has to be said. Uh, we just never expected it at our football club. If we uh, are working off the information that stats are the driving force behind the footballing decisions, what were the stats used to hire Potter? Well, we were asking the very same question a bit earlier on, really. Success in the Swedish league isn't any kind of measuring stick for the Premier League. He finished 10th in the championship with Swansea, then moved to Brighton to have a 31-32% to 32% win percentage. He supposedly passed his 100-game review with flying colours, but what are the metrics? It couldn't have been anything results-related. He's quickly heading toward one of the least successful managers in our history. On that point, as you know, earlier on in the season, I called him Graham Potterfield because he, rem he reminded me of Ian Porterfield. He's got a lower win rate than fucking Ian Porterfield right now. That's how bad it is. Anyway, uh, the last time we scored two goals in a match was the end of November. How confident do we feel that that will change anytime soon, let alone in the next leg against Dortmund? Four goals scored in 2023 is a great stat if it's the, in the goals against column, not the goals for column. We're missing the spine in the dressing room that brought us the success of the past, a spine that was assembled by managers with winning mentalities and a demand for success. A spine that I can't see us forming under our current manager. How can Potter demand players go into battle with him if he won't even directly associate himself with the club? He always references the club separate from himself. Yes, I do think that that is a bit odd, I have to say. Now, the players also hold blame in our current form, but what does anyone really expect? Chilwell mentioned in his interview the dressing room is flat. Is it is it is it is a direct reflection of Potter. If we lose against Spurs, 
I can see it getting to raffer out levels of toxicity, if not worse. Like it was said on the last fancast, you can't really see us beating anyone right now. We look like we were in a relegation fight against Southampton, which makes sense because we have relegation form. Before, we would we would have a result like Southampton and then go on to thump Spurs, but that was before. No one outside the inner circle really knows what the new owners are thinking or what the final straw will be. It feels like it's just a matter of time now. Hopefully, it's done before too much damage is done. If it gets really toxic, do you think that that will have an impact on the search for big money sponsorships? Yeah, possibly. With 3UK and the crypto whale shirt sponsors coming to an end in the summer, will they be able to sell the project to potential advertisers? Here's to hoping we take three against the North London chickens. Thanks for everything and up the Chelsea. Barrett Duperon. Um, I think you're, to answer your last point first, Barrett, Barrett, yeah, I kind of mentioned this on Monday's show. About, it's about damaging the brand. I hate to use those terms about a football club, but it's kind of where we are. Um, and I think nothing will damage the brand more than shit results, you know, meaning that we're in, the, in, in obscurity, mediocrity, call it what you will. But that, that will take a long time to happen. That will take maybe three to five years. We build up a lot of what they like to call in business goodwill, uh, over the last 20 years or so thank you roman for doing that um yeah you're right i think the other thing that will piss brands off is is toxicity uh if you remember three the pieces of shit that they are ran away uh, the minute they smelt a whiff of trouble when uh, roman got sanctioned um you know they should have been something we couldn't fire them because of contractual terms but they can basically fuck the fuck off and then fuck off some more. I will never, ever buy anything from that disgusting mobile company ever again because they showed their true colours. Um, but that's what brands do. They don't want to be associated with things that are toxic. So, yeah, if there's enough stink and toxicity around the club, that will affect potential sponsors. But I do think that what uh, Bowley & Co. will do, they will leverage their American contacts and get some really big sponsors from the states who are probably too stupid or naive to realize what they're getting into i mean united did it didn't they with uh, aig when the glazers first came in so there you go um as to your other points yeah it's hard to disagree really isn't it jk um what does he do with it by always referencing the club separate from himself I, himself i didn't appreciate that what's he, he never doing? says we in the pre- he doesn't say he says chelsea he says chelsea or he says they you know there's never he doesn't associate himself with the club. He doesn't say, you know, we need to, we, you know, we, we as a club or whatever. I, you know what I mean? It's pretty implicit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I've noticed that. I'll, I'll listen more attentively. Um, well, I have the. I, it's interesting because there's no pro Potter. We've yet to have a pro Potter um, male, have we? It's getting worse and worse. Well, isn't that's it? what happens when you lose to Southampton at home, at bottom of the league, mate. I told you yeah. the, the whole, the whole, yeah. it shifted. Everything shifted on Saturday, didn't it? You were there. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. I went in yeah. there yeah. expecting us to win handsomely, and I'm was yeah. was yeah. behind Potter. I thought, come on, mate, you can do it. But it all shifted, and everybody in the ground—not everybody, clearly—but most of the people in the ground made it made their feelings vocally known, and then in the pubs afterwards. And in the social media afterwards, it suddenly all shifted. Even the, as I said, I don't care about the loonies that are on Twitter. I mean, we follow a lot of decent people, many of whom listen to this show. To a man, they were all, "That's it, we're done with him." Yeah. You know, when you lose, when you lose yeah. the, when you lose the reasonable people, that's when you really have to start to worry. 
So the next three games will be just unbelievably important. We've said this every time, though. Every single time we have another match, the next match will be important. And then we lose. The next match will be important. And considering that we did okay against Dortmund, played a bit better, you'd have thought he'd have tried to maintain that. I I think um, that didn't help either. I, I think the expectations zoomed again because we did genuinely play really well and I just thought we were yeah, unlucky yeah, against yeah. Dortmund and it's a bigger yeah. stage Champions League you know suddenly we think oh we might we might win it you know so I think you know we, our our uh, our positivity Potter positiveness was right up there and then it just got yeah. I mean there's nothing worse than being really optimistic and then having your legs cut away from you and that's what happened on Saturday it's team selection did not help yeah, but I don't think I think some of those are understandable. We said on the show he, no, we didn't think James and Silver would start. No, well, I, yeah, but they're understandable. But I think just to maintain the momentum, I'm sure if well, you spoke to Kerry about that, he'd have said we'd have been happy to have played with uh, a, a you know a half with the team and just to to at least then got a goal in front or something to put down a marker, and also it maintains the team playing together. It just seems to me that you know the. Uh, they're, they're sort of. I know that they're keeping them in cotton wool, in particular Reese. But I think it smacks to me as if they are really keeping them for Dortmund. They're trying to. This is why I'm suspicious as to who he'll pick for the uh, the Spuds game. Actually, he may he may put out a, a weakened side, just so uh, to, to in order not to put the pressure on. And yet, you would hope he put out a side that uh, competes. But you know, as somebody said to me. Um, um, in a, I was tweeting, uh, having a direct message with somebody. Um, you'd have thought that everybody would be able to compete any team that he comes up with, and the fact that the one that he chose for Saturday didn't wasn't up to it was was rather revealing. Or was it that it was up to it, but once again it was his inability to to put them in any plan or make them deal with the the lumping the ball up the pitch and the the in your face competition, which. Uh, the passion that Southampton showed. We're not good at dealing with a team. Forest were the same. We're not good at dealing with somebody, a team who has um, the ability to just get in your face and press, but which the, is something that I don't quite understand. You know why we can't react to that. You know? But this is this is this is why I think that you know some comparisons are are pointless. Like you know comparing Brighton to Chelsea is, is pointless. But actually, what isn't pointless is another comparison, which is. You would have thought that he would do better with better players. You know, we have much better players than Brighton. Much we have better. much better yep. players than Southampton. Therefore, sine qua non, it should actually work out that we would be better and they would perform better. But it's not proving to be the case. And as the great Brian Clough, Clark Clough, the great, great bl- bloody hell, Brian Clough, the great Cluffy said, uh, what did he say? I can't fucking remember. He said, "Anyway, yes, <laughs> they were a great team on paper, but sadly, the game was played on grass." And that's therein yes. lies the point. Yes. You know, you've got to fucking motivate yes, yes. them. You've got to make it happen, and that's what the manager does. So, you know, uh... Chidge, J.K., and Guest, Stephen Osborne. Now, Stephen knows the form here, which I. I take my hat off to him. Unless you've had more than five letters, oh. in which case, Chidge and JK. Oh, oh Chidge and JK. So he knows. Well done, Stephen. Yeah. You know. Because, yes, we were on 
in off the post with our big bag. It's been a tough weekend. Usually on a Sunday morning, what with living in the States, I FaceTime my mum and dad back home in Blighty. Mum's 80, dad's 91. They live in a pleasant bungalow in leafy Surrey. Whereabouts in Surrey? I'd like to know, actually, Stephen, because I like Surrey and I live in Surrey myself. But this weekend, there was no such call. Before moving to the States in 2011, me and my wife, Chetna, lived in Brighton, a pre-Potter Brighton. We were regulars at the bridge for many years, especially from the early 2000s when we would come up for home games, dumping the young kids at either of their sets of grandparents in Surrey. My folks lived in Ashton. Oh, <laughs> I played cricket there. My in-laws lived in North Team. <laughs> I played cricket there. Or sometimes we'd get the kids into the wonderful East Stand Crash. As the kids got older, we'd bring them along to cup games. Sometimes I'd bring one to league game, a league game, if my Chetna didn't mind. Through getting enough loyalty points, we qualified for season tickets in 2006-07. And with Jose being in charge, Chetna approved of us getting two. She was quite happy to come along to the games, binoculars in her bag, trained on the dugout area. I thought you were going to say trained on the shorts of the players. No, trained on the dugout area for more time than was healthy. Oh, that was what you meant, really, I suppose, yeah. Chetna was less happy when Avram Grant appeared on the sidelines, but she stuck with it. What I loved about Avram Grant was he used to wander onto the pitch and just look at the grass a lot. I kept thinking, what's he looking at that patch of grass for? Anyway, um, the team was just so bloody good in those years, all the way up to Carlo's final season in charge and our move over the pond. Apart from seeing friends and family, our regular trips to the bridge are the biggest thing I've missed being in the States. Of course, we get every game on TV, which is great, but you can't beat the match day routine, as you guys so obviously know. I started supporting Chelsea in 1977 when, as an eight-year-old boy, or no, as an eight-year-old, all my school friends were picking their teams. Even though this was in Epsom, everyone seemed to support Spurs, Liverpool and Man U. What? What? Why? Why? Uh, I just like the name, Chelsea. Oh, OK. Despite never having seen a game, I figured I should pick a team that was somewhat local. Yes. I remember weighing up QPR and Crystal Palace before plumping for Chelsea. Bloody hell, how miserable my football fandom could have been if I'd chosen differently. Yes, to choose Rangers. Oh, dear. Love the hoops, though. Um, a couple of years later, I got a shirt with Gary Chivers, uh, for some reason being my favourite player. My grand soda number six on the back, my little Umbro replica kit. Sweet. I had a nine on my little Umbro replica kit because it was Barry Bridges. That was my favourite player of the time. It was because he celebrated so wonderfully, Stephen. And that shows you how old I am. My first game was for my 11th birthday. My dad, who until then would only take me to watch our local non-league team, Leatherhead, or sometimes Wimbledon, took me and a few mates to watch a home game against the mighty Cardiff in the old Division 2. We were in the nosebleed seats in the East Upper. That first view of the pitch as I finished climbing the never-ending staircase is a bloody long way up there, is a moment that lives with me now. It, it, it would never be built like that now because it offends all the, um, the, uh, the the laws now, doesn't it? It's uh, Health and safety would have a nightmare if they, I think they, they do whenever they go up there. This was my home ground. And to round off a great day, Clive Walker got the only goal with about five minutes to go. I think I was there. Ooh. Through the early and mid 80s, I had many happy days going up to the bridge with my dad, who much later came out. Oh, sorry. And much later came out and admitted to being a gooner. In more recent times, the last game, sort of, I saw, was in 2019. Actually, let me go back on that. Your dad suddenly admitted he was a gooner. What? How did that happen? Did he just, has it crept up on him? He'd always been a gooner. I mean, that must be dreadful if your dad suddenly says, 
I'm sorry, son. I've got something to tell you. I tell you Don't what, it, it, it would almost be like you say, I'm sorry, son, I've got a dreadful admission to make. But actually, I'm yeah. a lady. <laughs> yes. In more recent times, okay, the last game. I, I thought I'd do my best. David, what's his, what's his name? What's the bloke's name? I'm having a brain fart. Uh, Williams. That's it. David Williams. I used to love that sketch. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a lady. Yeah. Yes. Okay. In more, in more recent, I'm yeah, going. Thank you. It's, it's not working for me. It's, okay, it's, sorry. It's, it's distorting, Chidge. It's what? It distort. It distorted. What distorted? It dis- the mic. So we heard nothing. I you believe went, you were going to. I believe. Yeah, it hasn't worked again. You go, and it's going. I'm a lady. I'm a lady. I'm a lady. In more recent times, the yeah, the last game sort of I saw was in 2019 when all six of us were of us here, me, Chetna, and the four kids. Four um, went to the ridiculous friendly in the Gillette Stadium just outside Boston against the dreadful New England Revolution. This was the infamous game wedged in between the end of the Premier League season and the Europa League Cup final. The one where we watched Cheek rupture his Achilles tendon. We also got to see this young right back have a promising cameo called Reese something or other. And so back to the weekend and the reason for not connecting with my folks as usual. I woke up this Sunday morning to an email from my mum, subject Chelsea. Um, Hi, are you thinking of an alternative team to support mum and dad? Chaps, I'm being teased by my elderly parents for Potter's pitiful plight. I love the alliteration. Potter's pitiful plight. And I'm sulking and avoiding them to punish them. By the time you read this, don't worry, I'll have called them. I've told them that the Southampton game wasn't easy. Many of our players are still coming back from injury. No, don't give an excuse. No, no, no. We're trying to move forward. That's exactly what he says. But this wasn't what we wanted. No, it was a step back. He said that as well. You've been looking at the press conferences. Others are still adjusting to being here. It's a new group finding its dynamic. And Southampton have a caretaker manager. It makes it hard because you don't know who they're going to, how they're going to set up. Ah, uh, sorry, I do apologise. It was satire. I'm so sorry. That the whole paragraph was was uh, the whole paragraph there from Stephen was satirical. I'm so sorry. There was I take it seriously. Uh, yes. Um, uh, I've lost my place. Um, uh, and Southampton have a caretaker manager that makes it hard because you don't know how they're going to set up. They've got very good players like Theo Walcott, for fuck's sake, and a settled squad fighting for every point. We are in transition. It's a process and there's emotion. That's life. We're all human beings. I'm a human being, even though I talk like a robot. <laughs> so while it's disappointing, I'm staying positive. I'm getting ready for the challenge ahead and hoping we can keep moving forward. It's all we can do, right? <laughs> it's completely paraphrased Potter. That is exactly what Potter has said, Chidge. That's exactly it. That's all he says. Cheers and up the Chelsea. Yeah, up the Chelsea. Stephen. Fine, man. I'm sorry, Stephen. I started taking you seriously early on and I didn't realise that you were being very amusing. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But he, yes, he does that to again. me. He does that to me all the time, Stephen. I think I'm being very amusing, and he just looks there, like, like, oh, shit, shut the fuck up. You know, I know how you feel, mate. Great email. I loved hearing about his uh, early experiences watching Chelsea. Yes, yes, yes. Chivers on his back. Sweet, yeah, sweet. Do like Gary Chivers. 
Uh, all right, this is a lovely one from somebody we haven't heard of for, for a while, but one of my favourite people on a, on a match day when I see him. He's an absolute diamond, this guy. Steve Burton, the lovely Steve Burton, who you will find on uh, on Twitter as uh, at CFC Mode 2, I think. But Steve's a massive, massive Depeche Mode fan and um, I went to school with some of them as well. He's a lovely, lovely bloke. And he's in our Prem Predictions League too. He says, Dear chaps, what exactly is potable? I have no idea so far. Maybe you find people could enlighten me. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Steve. No good looking at me, Chidge. That pass. No, nothing here. Nothing here. Shall I go downstairs and ask my wife, Steve? She might have a, an answer. Maybe. Maybe I just nip round to the next door neighbours, ask them. No, the, the cat, maybe. I'm, uh, I've got an idea. What? I've got an idea, Chidge. You don't compete. You don't have a plan. Um, you uh, you put as many different people into the team as you possibly can. So there's no consistency. There's no pattern. Um, you uh, you don't uh, you don't pick the striker who is available, even though he's a striker. You pick other people, um, and you're not actually playing with a false number nine. You want to play with a striker, and people say you've got to play with a striker because you can't score. So um, and you have the worst goal scoring ratio of practically any other Chelsea manager over the past 50 years that's potable isn't it yeah I'm just trying to think you know can you remember what what I mean because you see unlike me you actually bother to watch the other teams play can you remember what Brighton played like well uh, a lot of enthusiastic running much more commitment than us a lot of pressing Um, moving the ball quickly yeah getting forward attacking I mean I I remember Brighton You know, I don't. I don't remember them being a being a part of the bus side. They come come to the big clubs and they would have a go, wouldn't they? I mean, they beat you know a few yeah. scalps, Man City, Liverpool, United. Uh, so they would have a go, I and I remember that. Of, I remember that game where Zayek scored a couple of really good goals. I think that one where he just had a big, he had a a, a, a snap a bap goal from miles away, and it went in. And it was when he was looking a bit better when he was taking these shots and scoring. And they were very dangerous. Cucurella was outstanding. That was the season, I think he was, um, well, that was the year before he was player, of the, the last year he was player of the year, but um, before he got transferred. But he was, he looked a great player. They had the big players. They had Dunk. They had, um, I still got him, haven't they? They had, uh, um, was it Byrne who went to Newcastle? Had these two huge centre-halves. And um, they defended excellently. They really got stuck in. A lot of commitment. Um, but yeah, they, 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 Skillful, committed, really good tackling, um, bossed the midfield, great passing, got the ball to the wings early and centred. It was, uh, and the crowd were really behind them as a consequence. Very committed side, none of which we appear to be seeing at the moment from this Chelsea side at all. Mm, so strange. Eh, 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 eh. Pass. Uh, Mark Smith, Chidge, Jonathan, and guest contributor. There is none, Mark. There is no one but us too. When I used to train customers in the use of software, I loved an analogy. Currently, I see our current situation like an episode of Grand Designs. I like that program. <laughs> Me I like too. It. Yeah, I watch it. Yeah, yeah. A new owner, Todd Bowley of the plot, Stamford Bridge, comes in with a great vision. Vision, vision. But staff soon leave around the time of his arrival. Buck, Gunnarskaya, check. So Todd steps into project manage in an area he's never project managed before. Soon after the rebuild starts, he sacks the architect. Tuchel has a new one, Potter. 
some of the contractors he brought in to work with Tuchel with work with Tuchel now have a new architect to work with. Then some of the good established contractors, bricklayer and carpenter Ben and Reese, are unavailable, and their colleagues are not of the same caliber. The rebuild takes a step back. Some of the other contractors also fall by the wayside as time goes on and the project slips further back. An injection of new staff arrives so Todd can step back from project management, but he can't help himself. Seems he still has a habit of interfering. A new injection of money results in more contractors arriving, but only one of the old contractors leaving for another project called the Emirates. So now there are too many contractors on site with different skill levels and abilities and languages, but they're still missing a contractor to finish off the roof. So temporary measures using unproven roofing coverings are taken to keep the project moving forward, but they're unreliable and leaks appear. This has the worrying effect on the structure as a whole. During the commercial break, next transfer period, we ponder, will a roofer arrive in time to finish the project? Will the architect have left or be pushed? Will it all take shape and how close to the budget did Todd keep to? Sorry for this silliness. It's not silly. I like it very much, but I like the structure very much. But as I become more confused as to what the master plan is, I fear it's sending me mad. Mad, I tell you. Personally, I blame the new owners. Number one, for relieving Tuchel of his duties, especially after recruiting players he seemingly wanted. Number two, for taking charge of transfers before putting personnel in place that know the market. Personnel, I'm sorry, in place that know the market. Number three, for overloading the squad by not shipping players out. Now, don't get me wrong, the investment is impressive, but I feel a more measured transition by keeping Tuchel in place while the foundations were put in place may have benefited the team, may have allowed time for him to understand Tuchel over a prolonged period and perhaps ensure a smoother transition. P.S. I'm going to be sick. I think we should stick with Potter for the foreseeable future. Oh, you're the only one, Mark. Just a thought, Mark E. A. Smith. Podcast listeners, it's the old days of the noisy pubs. Ah, good on you, Mark. Um, yes, yes. Uh, 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 I think we are sticking with him, regardless. Who knows? Um, uh, I, I think I think the 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 thing that doesn't work in this is that um, they wanted somebody pretty early on who did what they wanted and Tuchel was was too much of a um of a burden too much of a a, a no entry sign for that I'm afraid so uh that was why he was he was on his bike but it made no sense as you say they they bought all these players for him particularly Aubameyang but I think they've now they've stated that Aubameyang is not for the future and isn't even for the present so uh that's really that's putting your money where your mouth is um Yes, yes, I, I, I understand the. In fact, this would, the, the thing about this though, I think, is, is that they probably grand designs. If they had all this money in the first place, they'd have, they'd have uh, not bothered to get what's his face in to look oversee it, would they? Who's the bloke who runs grand designs? What's his name? I cannot remember. remember. Oh, Kevin, well, Kevin he, McCarthy. He, he, Kevin, Kevin, that's right. They wouldn't have got Kevin. Got to clutch that out Kevin. of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, here's he the did. thing. I'll you, tell you, you what's interesting, you know, not only is Potter getting a kicking tonight, but actually so is Bowley and the owners. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of evidence of that recently, but no, the, the no, tide's no. turning no. against them at the moment as well. It's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's because it's rubbish on the pitch, isn't it, Chidge? That's the trouble. That was always the case. Yeah. And yet, Sack once again, the board! Sack the, the board! 
you know, if you if you look at the template once again of the Dodgers, this is exactly what happened. Mm. Same thing. So okay. they're not going to be phased by it. It's what happened. No, no. Indeed. Right. This is from the website, actually. A few people have been commenting on the little, uh, I wouldn't call it a blog, really, but I mean, I, I put the show, uh, well, you know, I put it up on the website. But anyway, it's interesting that we've had a few comments recently. I think, this is from Paul St. Mac. Uh, I think when a top-tier manager coach like Klopp, Guardiola, Tuchel, Mourinho, Ancelotti, to name a few, walk into a dressing room, subconsciously players switch on a bit more. Is that just presence or is it their reputations or is it achievements? Potter, I am in no doubt, is a top coach and a very clever man. But when you look at what he's actually done, how many finals he has coached and played in, there are or played, there are lots of players in this Chelsea team who have won lots of titles in the football world, lots of cup finals. Are they buying into Potter? Well, Paul, I mean, this has kind of been my hobby horse for the last few weeks, really. Uh, I... I, I we don't know, as we keep saying, but we know enough ex-players and we know we've been around the block long enough to know that actually at the top end of the sport, no matter how professional these players are, and I think you said it perfectly, it's subconscious. They just think, who is this guy? What's he ever done? You know, um, you know, most of them have won. Well, nearly all of them have won more than he's won in the game. So. Yeah, I, I do think it does. I think it does. It does play into it. I think that they have, you know, I mean, we, we have to accept that the football football players at that level are professional. So whoever's the boss, you know, they, they, they will, back, you know, not necessarily back him, but they will they will be professional. But you're right. I think it's undeniable that subconsciously they're thinking, who the fuck are you? You know, what have you ever done? Why should I listen to you? What do you know about football? And we know footballers can be like that. Uh, so there we go. I mean, I've seen that in uh, in um, you know other work environments too. You know where, I mean, I I mean, put it this way, right? This this will this this is slightly off topic, but um, I remember when I first directed uh, a vi- you know it was a corporate video. I think I first did it. And I had never done anything like it. I just decided. I mean, basically, my TV career was a bit of a joke because. Most people have to work their way up. You know, they start as a runner and then they, you know, making tea for people and then they become a researcher and then they become a an assistant producer and all of this. I basically decided when in my 30s that I was bored doing what I was doing. So I'm right, I'm going to be a TV producer. So I just decided there and then and went and set up a production company and said, I actually, I'm going to be a director now because I quite like the idea of that. And then I would, there was I with a, I mean, a really hairy-assed northern crew who had been doing these kind of things for like 40 years and they would eat young directors up for breakfast and i tell you what a bit like football players don't get on the wrong side of a film crew they'll hammer you they will reduce you to marshmallow within two seconds and i'm thankfully because i was you know i was would have been in my 30s then i kind of been around the block a bit too and i thought well there's no point me lording it over them and being you know uh francis ford coppola you know, because they'd suss me out in, a, in an instant because these guys are like dogs. They smell fear. So actually what I did, I brought them all coffee in the morning and said, come on, we're going to have a chat and a fag and a coffee. And I got them all around. And I said, OK, here's the deal. I said, I'm not a fucking idiot, but I've never directed anything before. So what I'm going to do, I said, I'll tell you what, you'll get a decision out of me because I'm never backwards and forwards and making a decision. So I'm not going to like sit there, um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, clearly not knowing what I'm doing. What I will do is I will include you, all of you, in the decision-making process. 
So, okay, so this is going to be a collaborative effort and you're going to help me out and I'm going to help you out and we're going to make a fucking great program. And they fucking bought into it. I mean, I have no idea why because I was on a wing and a prayer, but they bought into it and it and it was brilliant and they loved it and they kept on coming up saying to me, they said, you're the best director we've ever worked with. And I said, come on, I've got no idea what I'm doing. They said, yeah, we know that, but it doesn't matter because you you, you respect us. You listen to what we have to say. You take our advice. You include us into it. And you've given us ownership of it. And actually, you're not as bad as you think you are. You know what you're doing. I'll tell you what. We've never had a director who's as loud on a set as you are. You, you, when you make a decision, you stick to it. And off you go. So the point is, is that there are many ways to skin this cat. But, you know, it's febrile out there. And the people, you know, if you try and if you try and bamboozle them, if you try and you know wing it and just pretend that you're the i mean this is this was avb's problem i think going back in the day jonathan avb came in like he was jose Mourinho, and they thought you're not fit to lick the piss off his shoes mate fuck off you know so i think it's a really weird balance of 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 knowing what you're doing having confidence but a bit of humility and respecting other people but it's a very fine balance because in a very in a in a febrile elite world they're like dogs they will smell weakness and they will kill you it's the same in the acting world. If you, if you're not very good or you're um, unconfident, it will be sniffed out immediately by the others. And if you've got a scene, it needs to be done quickly. It's particularly if you go into a soap or you go into something where they're trying to do it as quickly as possible to get off because they don't want to pay any overtime or whatever. You've really got to be on your metal, and it's um, it, you have to be top notch. So many of these things, you have to come in absolutely prepared. Otherwise, you've You've had it, and yeah. um, you'll never work again with that director, producer, the casting director. It'll get round immediately, but also your your peers won't be happy with you at all as well. It's um, it's like anything. I'm sure it's the same in well, in practically every aspect of business, you know. So I agree, and I think that's the point. I mean, the, the other thing is because I was conscious of the fact that I had no idea what I was doing. I worked really hard. I was incredibly prepared. I made sure I knew everything that i needed to know that i was capable of knowing and if you you know and that it's 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 just you know it's as you say jonathan this this works across all sorts of genre and 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 workplaces so uh so there you go um so i think in short ball i don't think they are buying into him there you go that's the answer right jk no i think you should read this one chidge because it's to you are you sure okay yes you've got a long one you've got a long one to finish off on Okay, how does that sound? This is this is a good point actually. Well done. I I screwed up there a bit, didn't I? This is from Catherine Co- Co- Cole 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 maybe Cole 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 Catherine Cole, Cole. Uh, and this is from pa- on, on Patreon. Hi Chidge, thanks for your message. Uh, happy to finally join Patreon. I've been listening off and on for years. Not sure if you remember me, but my husband Tim and I first met you back in 2013 at the Chelsea Fancast end-of-season gathering in Putney Bridge. Bobby Tambling and his wife Val were there too. I've been over to the bridge a number of times since, but haven't caught up with you. We'll be back in May, and hopefully we can chat then. Anyway, glad to be back in touch and happy that my schedule now permits me to listen to the podcast on a more consistent basis. I've just joined the Discord group. Would love a Kerry Dixon mini-banner when you have the chance. Do you mind sending to America? Best, Catherine. I mean, how absolutely lovely. Well, thank you, first of all, Catherine, for joining up to Patreon. But how absolutely lovely to hear from you. And I do remember you. That was a 
that was an amazing evening, an absolute amazing evening. That uh, the, the the first big party we had, and it was a it was a humdinger. It was a raffer out celebration party, I think, as I recall it. Um, I can't believe I've not seen you at the bridge since. How remiss of me! But uh, you know, look, um, I will ping you my number. Uh, so when you come back in May, just just you know, ping me a WhatsApp message, and we will definitely we will definitely hook up because it would be lovely to see you again. In the meantime, I will. I will get a banner off to you and uh, no problem sending them to America at all. We send them wherever you come from. We will send them there. It's that simple. Apart from Sweden, because their 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 post office, postal office is rubbish. It just sends them back to me for some reason. But anyway, yeah, Catherine, lovely to hear from you. Thanks for signing up to Patreon. And I hope that you and I and Tim can meet up in May. Uh, and a very quick shout out because there's so many of you who are joining Patreon. It's lovely. And you do get a, a, a mini Kerry Dixon banner or a Kerry Dixon mini. It's not a mini Kerry Dixon. It's a Kerry Dixon mini banner. And of course, you do get to join our Discord group, uh, which is basically like Mixler 24 7. So most of the people who come into Mixler are also in our Discord group and Patreons. And uh, if you also want to donate a little bit of shekels every month to the the uh, Stanford Chidge uh, um, um, Benevolent Fund, then it's easy to do. It's uh, www.patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. I thank you. Shall I read the next one? Yes. Is it the last one tonight? This could, uh, could I, be could be the final email. Yeah, there we go. It's the last email tonight. From Noah. Is it Bader or Bader? What do you think? If he's American, it's Bader. If he's British, it's Bader. Bader. Chidge JK and guests. There is none, Noah. It's just us. It's just me and Chidge. I've been loving the In Off The Post episodes recently. Well, we've put a stop to that, haven't we? <laughs> anyway, uh, I love you all read out and provide considered responses to the emails you receive. Warms my heart to hear when others across the world share my views. And it's lovely hearing from across the world, let me tell you that, Noah. And provide points of view that I've not yet considered. I've learned much more, much, I've learned much and more from this family if we may call it that and i know that my knowledge of the game and love for the club has grown as a result of listening to the show yeah well knowledge of the game has become slightly biased with me and chidge and the others but it will be uh it, particularly with refs you have to hate refs remember that Noah. always uh, hate no, no 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 yeah. not when matt young's listening oh that's true not when matt young's listening Noah. so hate them except when matt young is listening uh, at the end of the day I think this is what this is all about. Yes, we disagree. Tempers flare. Feelings may even be hurt from time to time. But overall, the collective therapy we go through week after week helps us to grow closer to each other and the club that we share such passion and love for. Well, at the end at the moment, though, my love for the club is for the club, but my love for the aspects of the club is not what it used to be. At the end of the day, that is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Now, now that all the feel-good positivity is out of the way, let's let's get into something else. Let's dive into some other topics. What happened to Dave's a tragedy. I'm not sure exactly what's going on at the time of writing, but I wish him all the best. I think he's absolutely fine. I think he um, he's at home with his uh, family, and I think he's um, uh, he came round, and he's obviously just pursuing all the post-concussion problems that they have. So he'll probably be resting for a bit, and then he'll be under very good medical supervision. Um, so we have heard good news. You put hopefully we hear good news soon. We have. He's been everything we could ask for as supporters over the last decade. Brilliant player, even better human being. If you could bottle what Chelsea means to Dave, inject it into the rest of the squad, I suspect we wouldn't see the 
abject refuse we're forced to watch on the pitch week in, week out recently. Well, very good point. As an aside, could someone help me understand how that sequence of play isn't considered endangering an opponent? Well, yes, I can actually do that because um, he attempted an overhead kick and he he wasn't actually seen to... Uh, um, the, his opponent wasn't near enough to him for it to be considered serious foul play because he was going for the ball. Um, it's a kind of moot point, actually, as to some of them give a foul immediately. But uh, as he wasn't, as he was actually going for the ball, that's why they only gave him a yellow card. Uh, and it was just down to it's bad luck, really. I'm not advocating for overhead kicks and the like to be legislated out of the game by any means. Well, the trouble is, if you did start um, giving this, you know, the extreme measure of of making it serious foul play you would nobody would want to do it i remember watching denver bar get kicked in the face many years ago i've never understood why a player who kicks an opponent in the head is not punished well fair enough if it was eddie mccready kicking um billy bremner in the head in the 1970 replay cup final he should have been punished because he was doing it deliberately and that was you know bizarre how there was never a penalty or never any any offense considered but um nowadays uh um you'd have to be heading for somebody and kick them you know a, a high a high kind of karate kick um whereas in this instance you are attempting to play the ball so that that is the big difference uh, you take the risk in the hopes of scoring an absolutely fabulous goal or making a phenomenal clearance but surely you also take on the responsibility of any collateral damage you may cause well you know i think it's it's a it's well, that, that was my point deliberate... on Mon- that was my point on monday wasn't it but everybody said now you're wrong chidge yeah I... but it, 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 you you are wrong because because um you you you're not going to be punished for doing something when you're trying to play the ball and and I think that's that's the that's the crux of it so and he gave, I say he gave me a yellow card but he wasn't attempting to to harm the player he was playing trying to play the ball so uh, one area we have been struggling in that makes no sense to me set pieces oh you and me both blimey you and me both completely yeah Noah I mean for goodness sake the the uh, I I noticed something um there's or whether it's a kind of arrogance is that we'll we'll get a free kick uh about 40 yards out and nearly every team when we have a free kick against us like that uh puts all the all their players up as a line of them and floats the ball into the penalty area we always play the ball backwards or sideways never ever does it get used as an opportunity to score and i find that is that arrogant? Is that saying we don't need to do this? We're keeping possession of the ball. Is it a possession thing? But it, all the other teams seem to have noticed that it's it's a potential for scoring a goal. If you float the ball in, somebody gets it, knocks it down, they get second ball, kick it in, or they get it to the edge of the area again, somebody has another go, then it can go wide and you've got your opponents on the back foot. You've got the opponents off balance. So that's something I don't get. But when we do have set pieces is... is well, I'll, I'm ruining what you're about to say, so I'll carry on. A child with crayons could draw up better plans than the drivel we're bombarded with each game. The fact that our opponents are the more likely side to score from our offensive corners is absolutely unacceptable. Well, this is obviously referring to the, the Dortmund game. Absolutely agree. But that was the preparation for that was absolutely awful. Once again, that's the manager's fault. That really was the manager's fault. All right, we tried to give the... That everybody tried to say Mudrick went forward, Zayat went for the ball, and we were then left with Fernandez, who wasn't the quickest player, and it should have been Mudrick. But they should have been arranged differently then. If Mudrick should have been the one back, or he should have been told, if the free kick comes, you've got to run back, you've got to run back anyway. 
Um, when was the last time you remember watching a match where we didn't hit the first man? Yeah, it started happening again. Even Felix started doing it when before he was taking and they were fine. Where you actually felt we would win a header in the box. No, I, I agree completely. And if you look at so many of the of the goals scored in 2005-6 were accurate, accurate driven corners and JT scoring or um, Drogba scoring. Or, I mean, it was just, you know, they, that was an opportunity to score. All the balls headed out and somebody at the edge of the penalty area drives it back in because they can hit the target. Ah! Anyway, when we lined up a free kick that was actually in danger of it, when have we lined up a free kick that was actually in danger of hitting the back of the net? No, I agree. An offensive set piece is now my cue to go make another cup of coffee as I'm watching Brighton early from Colorado, praying the entire time I don't come back to an opposition goal. I suppose the silver lining of that scenario is I didn't have to watch the comedy of errors that led us to gifting the opposition a goal. Memories of JS playing an immaculate pass to Manchester United. So sorry. It's me eyes, mate. I was wondering who JS was. I was thinking, is it Johnny Schubert, the piano player? Memories of J5 playing an immaculate pass to Manchester United, maybe Jaden Sancho, from a routine clearance from a set piece comes to mind with the Benny Hill theme song in the background. Yes, it was J5 doing it. To further that point, how is that we never seem to have anyone positioned correctly on the edge of the box to win second balls or scuff clearances? When we're defending corners, it seems that our opponents reliably find themselves on the end of these weak clearances and in a position to shoot through the web of limbs that lay between themselves and the goal. It's no wonder we seem so unlucky when we deign to, to tempt fate this much. Surely our stats department could work out where everyone needs to be to maximise our... Um, how do you say that? Times G... G, what do you call I think it? I think G. I think I think the young gentleman is referring to expected goals. Expected goals. That's exactly it, isn't it? I must get my my head round these things. I still actually, in all honesty, still don't understand any of that. I, I don't know what that how they come to these conclusions with expected goals. Yes, yes, yes. Chidge is doing a, a well known sign, everybody in Radio Land, that involves a flick of the wrist. And uh, I think he's, as we've said before, he's rolling the dice. Tossing um, it off, mate. Yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, work out where everyone needs to be to maximum our expected goals from these set pieces. Sorry, I had to throw in a joke about stats to get Chidge <laughs> going. You did. You got him going. Absolutely right. <laughs> Completely. The look on his face, the look on his hand, look at his hand gesture. Knowing our recent form, any attempted shot would more likely fly out of the stadium than find the back of the net. Yes. Absolutely right. Or hit the bar. It seems ridiculous to me that we cannot figure out how to make the most of these opportunities. You and me both, Noah. My goodness me. Honestly, I could keep going. I've notes on all the problems I set, I see for transition play, event, offensive movement and the lack of runs being made, finishing in general and the bizarre team selection that we've witnessed. But perhaps I'll save those for a future email. Do send them in again because they'll be exactly the same. Until then, I just hope that something improves on the pitch. You'll be lucky. What we do know, we have immense young talents that have yet to hit their stride. They give me hope for the future in a way that Potter never could. I know the club is in a new era, so we don't know how the story will end quite yet. But seasons like this will also come with the benefit of shedding bandwagon fans that never understood what the club's about in the first place. No matter who is in the dugout and what players pull on the Chelsea shirt, I will still wake up and support them no matter what. Absolutely. Up the Chelsea. 
Noah Bader. Well done, Noah. Lovely mail. I, I think well done, I think that 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 was that that's actually your pseudonym. I think you wrote this. <laughs> it, it, it basically Noah has said everything that you say every week. Do, am I that boring? Should you no, 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 week? no. It's not what I said. It's just that you know you moan about the, these very things. I'm I moan. But of course you do. Well, why else do we do the show? Is so we can have a bit of a moan up, innit? Don't I don't I constructively uh, criticize? That, is, con- that is constructive criticism. It's saying what they're doing wrong and what they should be doing right. That's constructive okay. criticism. That's great email. I mean, clearly knower, you know ball. I think you really know your onions. Actually, more more insightful than I ever am. You know, is that fuck ball? Fuck all. No, what? No, what? no, no ball. ball. Football. You know ball. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. Okay, good. It's so what the youngsters say. All the uh, YouTube influencers they say to each other, "Hey, you know ball. Who, who's oh, ball? Ball? To... Bobby Ball? Cannon and Ball? What the fuck are you talking about? Alan, Alan Ball. Alan Ball. Alan, Alan, Alan Ball. Alan Ball. Alan Ball. Alan Ball. Alan Ball. Wang 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 Oh, good old Alan. Yeah, bless him. He used to live down down near me, actually, down in Fisher's Pond, where he, where he died. Yeah, that's where he died, sadly, you know, that, that accident. Because he played, he played for Saints, didn't he? He played for Saints and he, yeah. he managed Portsmouth. He did indeed. Um, one of my best mates knew, uh, one of my best mates' old, uh, one of my best mates' father, hang on, the father of one of my best mates, to put it in English, uh, was a friend of his. and They used to go drinking quite a lot. So there you go, down that way. But there you go. Uh, I've got to read this; these two posts out uh, just to pr- prolong the show, prolong the agony for you all even more. Uh, Benches 50p. Now, I could be wrong here, but I do believe that Benches 50 pence could well be Mr. Paul Smith. I do hope so. I haven't seen you for absolute donkeys, Paul. And I hope you are very, very well. He says, and he's re- he's, he's referring to the brilliant party that we had uh, in the in Putney Station, as it was then, uh, I was there. I was there. Well, there you go. You remember it. He says. He says I was there too. We were as pissed as hell. Chidge was still drinking at three a.m. Great night that was. It's it's oh it is it is Paul. Brilliant, fucking brilliant to hear from you, mate. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I was drinking till three o'clock. I was literally last man standing with the lovely Brian, Mister X, if you remember him. Uh, and it was a great, great night. And yeah, I was still drinking to three. I was absolutely hammered, but still standing because I'm hard. But there you go. And uh, the lovely Brian says, love these in off the post shows. Great males and plenty of time to digest each. And uh, Pierre, keep the blue flag flying in north. Bloody Herculean effort tonight, JK and Chidge. Well done. And indeed it is. Uh, JK, as always, huge fun. Huge fun. Great fun. More. We want more. Let's do more. Yeah, lovely. If we can fit them in. No, that's it, mate. We're done. There were, there were three that missed the cut, actually. So they'll have to be read out next week. So we've already got three in the bag for next Monday. So we're going to do another one next week. It's written really? in the stars. Writ- written in the stars. I love it. I love it. Yeah, me too. Me too, actually. And uh, lovely to see lots of people from Mixler in, uh, as always, uh, doing the do. Um, we love to see you in there too. Uh, right. Um, that is all we've got time for, obviously. Uh, we will be back uh, on Friday, this Friday, uh, with the Right Honourable, the Reverend Tony Glover for the preview show. Uh, and of course, we will be looking ahead to Saturday's match against Spurs. I'm going to be absolutely wiped out by Friday. 
because I've got uh, I've got a meeting tomorrow night in the evening, so I shall be working from eight thirty till about ten. I've been working from eight thirty this morning with no break. Uh, Thursday's a mellow, a bit more of a mellow day, but I've got to work that evening so I can do the prep for the preview show. Friday, I'm working with clients until lunchtime. I drive up to London, go and have a meeting with the club about Over the Line, the mental health project the Trust does, and then hair straight back, hopefully getting back in time to do the preview show. I mean, for fuck's sake, the things I do for this club, I don't know. Are you going, are you going to the uh, to the lane? No, nah, I'm not going to the lane, mate. No, I couldn't get a ticket, could I? Oh, of course okay. I couldn't. I, I mean, I know, and anyway, frankly, mate, I'm, at the moment, I got walloped with a massive tax bill in January, so I haven't got spare cash at the moment. And I certainly don't have spare time. I'm I'm just absolutely, I don't know, lame excuse, yeah, plastic, not a proper fan, blah, 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 blah. But, um, you know, time is a precious commodity for me these days, and, and, and going all the way up to North London uh, on a yeah. Sunday is just like, you know, I know it sounds terrible. I should be drummed out of Chelsea supporters' school for this, but there we go. No, I should be watching it on the TV with all the other armchair fans. Um, so there you go. But uh, I hope Chelsea win. I always hope Chelsea win. I want to see Chelsea win, and particularly against Spurs. But we'll be talking about all of that and thinking about what we think might happen on Friday at half past seven as usual. Hopefully we'll see all the Mixler people in there as well. Uh, JK, brilliant work tonight. You know, what a Trojan you are. Two shows of an evening, honestly. It's brilliant, mate. My hat is off to you. Thank you. It's, it's taking its toll, but you know, I'll manage. Yeah, you know what? Me and JK, you know, we're all pro- we're probably going to die in a few weeks, but we're going to raise hell getting there. You know? Yes. That's the, we, yeah. No sleep. No sleep till Stamford Bridge, basically. Oh, I think we just, let's try and do 300 emails yeah, a week. We just don't fucking care, mate. We're just, Terrible. we're just, we're hard, hard as nails, old school we are. JK, I love you to pieces, mate. Always fun doing a show with you. I'll see thee Friday. Uh, see me Friday. All right. Now, you lot out there, hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. See you Friday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it getting keep it chills. Up the The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.